This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everybody? Let's do this. A beautiful Wednesday in Peg City, and it's time for another couple hours of sports talk here with myself and Michael Remus on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you. We've got a packed show. The countdown to Bomber home opener continues. Two more sleeps, Bomber fans. Really looking forward to chopping it up with the new voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on CGOB, Derek Taylor, coming up in a few minutes. Kenny Weave is back from an all-too-brief run at the conference finals. Um, Four games and it's over. We'll talk to Weaver about the Stanley Cup playoffs being both in Denver and in Edmonton. And, of course, the latest on more pertinent topics surrounding your Winnipeg Jets when Ken joins us a little later on. And uh, there's a lot of golf to talk about as well. Aaron Cockrell, of course, ready to tee it up. The Manitoban for the first time on the PGA Tour at the RBC Canadian Open this weekend. Mike McIntyre's there covering it for the Winnipeg Free Press. We talked about that yesterday. We'll get into more of the tournament overall, as well as some more big-name defections to the Live Tour. Probably two of the most polarizing players on the PGA Tour announced today, Bryson DeChambeau and the bad guy, Patrick Reed who ironically are both Jeff Feinberg's guys. And Feinberg is going to join us later on in the program as well to both discuss that. Everything coming out of this launch of the Live Tour this week, backed by the Saudis, and of course, the Canadian Open and tee off tomorrow at St. George's. So going to be a great show. Glad to have you all with us. If you haven't already, folks, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit that red subscribe button completely free it'll get your our content into your feed as well as you'll see some of the additional things we post throughout the week over on the youtube channel and while you're at it hit that thumbs up button for today's episode always appreciate that and if you're watching it after we go live we always welcome your comments in the youtube chat as well please uh don't ever hesitate to Drop us a line and let us know how you're feeling about the shows. Um, So we've got a lot going on today. Uh, First things first, you know that this show is uh, on the back of the incredible companies in Winnipeg that support us and make this happen each and every day, including Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend Country Club, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Assiniboia Downs, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our betting partners over at Cool Bet Canada. Let's get Michael Remus in here. And remember, I was on a bit of a cooler lately uh, when it came to the picks over at Cool Bet, but got back on it with the lightning puck line last night. Now, we spent a bit of time yesterday talking about this game. This was, I think, an opportunity for the Lightning to make a big statement that they were back after that big comeback in Game 3 to avoid going down 3 nothing. And now we stay on serve. Home ice has reigned supreme so far in this series. It's a best of three heading back to MSG after another uh, big win for the Lightning last night. Yeah, we thought this was done, um, you know, when game three was winding down. But no, it was the lightning with the last, you know, the go-ahead goal in the last minute there. And as you said, holding serve. Uh, the As I always say, the saying goes, the series isn't over until a team loses at home. And that hasn't happened yet. So here we are, tied 2-2. This has a making of a series. 
uh, going seven, two excellent goalies, two, you know, very good teams. You know, I've been thinking about the Rangers. You know, I think we've been kind of downplaying their eliteness. I mean, elite goalie, elite um, defenseman, no, former Norris Trophy winner in Adam Fox. You got that number one center in Zibanejad, who's really taken his game to a le- another level. And look, you got Chris Kreider. I mean, he's pretty, you know, he scores all his goals from right in front of the net, but uh, he scored a bunch of them. 52 is 52. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's a lot. And Artemi Panarin, he, I think he's a superstar as well. So uh, Rangers, you know, maybe I should have saw, saw this coming. I had them lose. I forget where I had, didn't have them going this far, but this is really impressive. I think we're going to see this has a making of seven. So. Uh, lightning not going away easy. You're gonna have to uh, have to go hard to take down the defending champs, back to back champs. Yeah, exactly. And, and listen, I, I don't. Well, as I said, it wasn't a complete surprise that you know you knew that there was going to be a big pushback from Tampa. I think what was frankly surprising was the fact that they were down two nothing in the series and down two nothing on home ice that it took them for sort of get their backs up against the wall and barge right back into this series. That being said, we've seen this over and over again from this hockey team over the last three years. And they truly are the class of the National Hockey League. They are what other teams measure themselves against. And to the Rangers' credit, they've been right in this series. The games have been close for the most part, with the exception of last night. Um, But at least for hockey fans, Reem, I think it's a positive because we have at least two more games this series and maybe three because for all the hype and anticipation of the Oilers' Avalanche series, the Oilers were doing postseason media today and cleaning out lockers. Yeah, and just one note on the Rangers here. They do have some game-time decisions coming up for next game, Heedle and Strom. And I mean, if you're missing two of those guys, that would be a big hole in their offense. As far as speaking of injuries, we got the laundry list here from Edmonton at the end of the you know season, Ken Holland talking. Leon Dreisaitl, no surprise, high ankle sprain. I think some people are like, what? Like, what? That's it? You didn't have more? More than that? I mean, he played uh, incredible high ankle sprain uh, since game six of round one. They say he was playing in a lot of pain. Um, who RNH, Nuge, and uh, Jesse Pugliarvi played through shoulder injuries and Kyler Yamamoto in concussion protocol. And Darnell Nurse played through a torn hip flexor in the playoffs, but won't need surgery. So there you have it. There's the Oilers injury report. Yeah, the, I mean, the two big ones was Nurse and Dreisaitl. And yeah. when your number one defenseman and your number one A player are banged up like that, listen, Nurse was obviously really struggling, and he wasn't the player. He certainly wasn't a nine and a quarter million dollar defenseman in that. But, I mean, it's all hands on deck, and you do have diminished players in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's somewhat what it's all about. And I think he certainly showed a lot of heart that to play through it. But, you know, at, at that level, um, against that type of competition, playing in that much intensity, the minutes that a player like that's leaned on, you know, when you're diminished like that, it shows, and it did. Dreisaitl, on the other hand, uh, this guy is superhuman. I mean, how many times have we seen guys miss four, six, eight weeks due to high ankle sprains? Um, and I mean, we all remember that. It came back to that play and uh, against Mikey Anderson in the round one against the Los Angeles Kings. Um, for Dreisaitl not to miss any time to play the way he did and then 17 points in five games against the Calgary Flames. 
Um, and he was still incredibly productive in the series against the Avalanche. Um, he basically had 32 points on one leg, only one point behind the best player in the world, Connor McDavid. Um, I'll say this. We've long talked about Kyle Connor and how underrated he is. If this is possible for a guy that's, you know, scored 50 and won a heart, I think Leon Dreisaitl is right there with the most underrated player just because of Connor McDavid sucking up so much of that oxygen in the room. I think that might be might be fair. Um, you know, the way that he played with a high ankle sprain, looked like he couldn't really move out there, but managed to just rack up assists, great passing, and he's awesome on the side of the net on the power play, jamming in one-timers. Uh, the one thing for me that stuck out from this uh, from the Oilers, you know, postseason. Evander Kane seemed like they liked him and they'd like to bring him back. We'll see. But Ryan Rashog said on the radio in Edmonton, 1260, that they may be moving on from Yessi Pugliarvi. He's 24. What is he? 24. Um, what year old? RFA. Um, you know, he hasn't really had that sky high ceiling that you'd like from a player who's drafted that high, but I think he's been productive. He goes to the net. Goes in the corner, and I think you could be a player that maybe you could get for cheap and could make an impact. It seems like they're prioritizing Yamamoto over him. I don't know why you don't keep both, but it seems like the coaching staff didn't really like Pugliarvi, but your buddy uh, Dustin Nielsen will argue that he's been pretty damn productive for them. Oh, Dusty is the president of the Yessi Pugliarvi Appreciation Society. and Yeah, he was not having many of the takes uh, about Yessi. Um I mean, still a very young player, a big body, somewhat physical at times, I guess. Um, and a fourth overall draft pick, a guy that we all thought was going to go number three. And then Columbus jumped up and took Pierre-Luc Dubois, which in retrospect looks like a pretty damn good selection. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with Pouliot-Arvey, whether they look to move on from him and whether he's the sort of a player like a team like the Winnipeg Jets might possibly be interested in. I mean, there is a lot of intrigue for the Jets side of things as to, you know, who's in that bottom six. Hell, the top six, too. I mean, when we talk about some of the deals that potentially could be made. But I think as we all agree, um, whether we're talking about potential guys that might come loose as free agents or available in trade, it does seem like the Winnipeg Jets, um, you know, still have not made a ton of progress like many other teams in narrowing down their head coaching search. And, you know, it's been widely reported the Jets, number one choice, number two choice, number three choice has been Barry Trotz. And they have been being, being patient on that. But you know, we heard from Elliot Friedman today earlier on 32 Thoughts, Reem, that it does sound like the Winnipeg Jets are acknowledging the fact that um, this could not happen. I mean, they'd still want Barry Trotz to be the guy. He hasn't signed anywhere else, but it does seem like they're looking at the calendar and realizing that they need to get on with some other interviews, some other candidates, if they're not able to get Barry Trotz. Yeah, I think it's been a month since he was fired. We've been doing this uh, Trotz watch, and I'm pretty thankful that uh, it's gone on because our YouTube views Give it a couple, couple more weeks. have skyrocketed. <laughs> but uh, I mean, Barry Trotz at, moves the needle here in Manitoba. You look at our top videos last month. Everyone's like Trotz watch, Trotz watch. You know, we have Kyle Connor yesterday, and doesn't doesn't even compare to any of the Trotz watch videos that we've done. Um, then all series, Murad uh, posted that yesterday afternoon as well. It seems like they're looking towards other candidates. He mentioned Jim Montgomery and Elliot saying that today. And I think at a certain point, you got to be like, look, if it hasn't happened yet, we got to come up with Plan B. 
Because what if this doesn't happen? What if he doesn't want to come here? And you see other teams uh, in the running. No one's really made a move. Maybe they're waiting till after the cup final. But I do have uh, the clip from this morning. Elliot and Jeff Merrick just talking, just talking about it if you want to play that. Yeah, you know, I'm sure people would like to hear that if they haven't already. This is from uh, the 32 Thoughts Pots with uh, Thoughts Podcast with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick and just a little snippet on uh, the latest on Winnipeg's coaching search. One of the things that kind of happened here was everything was kind of settling down. Everybody knew who was kind of on Trot's watch and they were starting to interview other candidates. Like one of the things I agree with you about is that I think Winnipeg waited a long time. I think they were Trot's only and I'm just wondering if Winnipeg is beginning to suspect that it may not work out for them. And they started looking at some other candidates. Now you mentioned Tockett. Yeah. You mentioned Arneal. You know, we talked about Montgomery and I do think Montgomery has a shot there and, and we'll see where that goes. All right, so there's just a little clip of uh, of Elliot. I'm interested, for those of you with us live in YouTube, now I don't really want to spend too much time talking about not getting Barry Trotz because I, like I'm sure the Winnipeg Jets and most of you are still hoping that that is very much a possibility and maybe things happen. But who's the number two choice for you fans? Um, hit us up in the chat. The one name that we haven't heard is Bruce Cassidy. And listen, Cassidy... If he's got plenty of options, I mean, there isn't that draw of coming back home. Um, you know, certainly I think the Jets would have to do a very good job of convincing the Roos that they do the talent on this roster, the opportunity is there, is it better in other spots? And I think in that sort of a situation with no relationship, um, with nothing, you know, the Jets would be, you know, much like they are with players in the free agent market at a disadvantage. So I know he's a name that many will come up. Um, but it's interesting. And, you know, we hear it from these guys all the time. We'll see what Ken has to say about that. Like, I don't really see outside of Barry Trotz a true clear-cut number one. And obviously, we're not able to be in any of these meetings. We don't get this information. And um, there's obvious reasons for that. Uh, but it will be fascinating to see how this proceeds going forward if, in fact, the Trotz option doesn't materialize in Winnipeg and I guess the other side of that, and part of the reason why I think they're beginning this process now or have been recently, is that, you know, it could take a while to narrow down everybody else that you're less decided on as opposed to Barry. And at the same time, you do want to get things done in the next few weeks to have that coach to be able to start talking to players from last year's roster about next season and presumably have some input on some very significant player moves that could go down in and around the draft in Montreal in early July. There we go. There we go. Mrs. Back. Now we're good. As far as signing free agents, uh, you heard Paul Stasny uh, to Pierre Lebrun saying he wants to see, you know, where things are going. And if you want to attract free agents, you're going to need a head coach. People want to know who they're going to be working with, who they're going to be playing for. So uh, that what the draft early July, you can have that in place. A lot of moves being made around then. I did do a poll. I just I used the rumored names that we've been hearing. Who would you who's your number two? Montgomery, Arneal, Tockett, someone else, someone else at forty percent leading. I think Jim Montgomery, who Marat mentioned yesterday, we'll talk to him on Friday, uh, is an interesting name. He was having success in Dallas when it ran into some personal issues, had to leave the team, but uh, he's behind Craig Baruby, who's been very highly regarded. 
since he took over to St. Louis and led them to a cup final. He does have a small history with the organization, playing for the Moose in 99-2000. I think he would be an interesting candidate. doesn't move the needle uh, among fans like Barry Trotz, but I think he could be he could be solid. That's who I would I would pick. Uh, Let, let's see what the folks have to say. Uh, there is quite uh, quite a few. Uh, Phils, my second choice is Bruce Cassidy. Third would be McGregor. Bruce Cassidy, though that probably won't happen. Jay Miller, Claude Julien. Uh, we've got another Cassidy. Now there's some interesting points that or Trippy Walnut says Elaine Vigneault took two teams that didn't deserve to be great, got them President's Trophies and Cup Finals, just fell short. Um, Schickster, and I'm somewhat, Schickster, I'm with you on this. I just want someone who will be able to take charge of the room and establish accountability and play the younger players. Um, and Rob Mahoney says, young players buckle under Cassidy, i.e. DeBrusque. Seems like Pomo 3.0. Not sure that will change anything. Uh, ben Lawrence, talk it for me strictly because of his attitude and communication skills. Um, and uh, Pie Boy Cassidy said, difficult to be uh, to be um, getting along with. Um, Waiters wants to trade Shifley for Pasternak. Uh, I don't think they're trading Mark Shifley for anybody with one year left on a contract. I mean, if somehow you can get him to resign for a long term, go for it. That would be uh, that would be uh, uh, excellent. But I w- um, yeah. Yeah, I will uh, say I'm not sure that that's happening. That Pasternak situation, very interesting. Um, Elliot was saying that Pasternak, he's good friends with Tori Krug and David Krejci, who they didn't bring back. And, you know, he's got, as you said, what, one year left on his deal. Although and, if you saw after the yeah. World Championships, Pasta and Krejci were walking through Sweden or Helsinki or wherever they were. Pasta did an Instagram video and said, hey, Kretsch, are you coming back to Boston next year? And he did the old, it kind of looked like one of those Tom Brady Gronk videos where he did the smile or whatever. So he's like, like (laughs) everything, everything's changed now with Cassidy being gone. So who knows? Maybe that does change the situation a little bit to get back. But the David Pasternak name has been thrown out there. He's got one year left on a deal that, you know, was very, very productive and worked out very well for the Boston Bruins. And we remember the animosity that it sort of took to get that done. Um, so all those will be topics. And we'll get to those with Ken a little bit later on. Hey, I've got to give a shout out to Mitch Jansen, who is our newest member of the Winnipeg Sports Talk YouTube chat. Mitch, thanks so much. Got a chance, Remo, to meet Mitch in person last night. Got a little bit of a tour of the wild control room at Assiniboia Downs last night in the midst of an absolutely beautiful evening at the track. Everything was perfect with the exception of my selections on the races, had a few near misses, and um, I kind of did some cash bets early on, saved my internet bets for later. None of them went very well. Maybe I used up all my luck with the wins on Tuesday night. But I will tell you that uh, Mitch and the gang, we saw Stretch and Kurt doing their thing. Uh, it was just absolutely glorious to be out at the track last night. The night was absolutely perfect, and the only thing better than the atmosphere around it was that buffet. Um, I got to tell you, that was an all-timer meal. <clears throat> A lot of single guys like myself probably don't uh, don't treat themselves to anything like that very often. The prime rib, 
listen, I, I can't speak enough about it. Shout out to our great friends, uh, Darren, Sherry, and Sharon out at Assiniboia Downs for the great hospitality. And we will be looking forward to doing a little WST get-together out of the track a little later on this summer. If you're thinking about checking that out for the live racing, there's no live racing tonight, but they are back on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday next week. And that will be the schedule throughout the summer. So we'll pick a great day, maybe a Tuesday or Wednesday night, get together, have a few cold ones, jump on some great food, and hopefully pick a few winners. But uh, and we missed you at the track last night. Mitch gave us a nice tour, got to see the guys. And as I said, it was uh, it was a perfect, perfect night to be outside at the track enjoying what Isinavoy Downs has Yes, for us. I'll have to get out. Uh, hopefully your night was better than my picks. I'm ice cold to start the year. I was, I was playing hockey. Uh, last night, my team wanted me wanted me to mention how strong I was on defense. Last game, only got walked a couple times, uh, leading to breakaways. But it was it was fun to win? get out. We did win. You know, we were we got pumped our last couple of games. Mixing so. in a win, not a boy. Man, I was ready to like. We played some teams. I think they were way better than us, and uh, I was ready to cry on the bench. Like last game, we got absolutely we couldn't touch the puck. It was not a good game. Last game. Felt, felt much better. Couple people, by the way, asking about the membership. Uh, it's just a great way to support the channel. You'll uh, get noticed in the chat with your microphone and green font. You'll have an opportunity to use some of the special emotes, including mm -hmm. the one of me ironically doing the wave. And as Mitch said, for two bucks a month, it's like 80% off a Twitch sub. So uh, anyways, thanks again to everyone that's supporting the channel, however you're doing, but especially the members and the people that are with us each and every day. We greatly appreciate it. Yeah, basically, you know, people were giving us super chats anyways. We wanted to make a fun thing, maybe give you a little icon beside your name. You know, you get a different color microphone for how long you've been a member and you get the emotes. So when Ken comes in the chat later, make sure you're using the water bottle emote uh, in the chat as I put it in. I know everyone loves using the hair one when Brandon comes in too oh. with the hair one. <laughs> yeah, Rewiki will be in tomorrow. Uh, and then uh, Marat, we did normally we'll have Marat come in on yeah. uh, Wednesdays. And by the way, and we'll talk about this a little later on, but a very interesting piece in The Athletic on Montgomery and some of the other coaching candidates for the Winnipeg Jets from Marat Atesh. So uh, we'll chop that up with him on Friday. But in the meantime, make sure to head over to The Athletic and uh, check it out. And we'll kind of touch on some of those topics with Ken a little bit later on. That being said, we're going to start it off getting ready for the Bomber home opener. We will have some golf talk with Feinberg towards the end of the program. We'll have an extended segment with Weber in the next segment. But first things first, we're going to get to some CFL football. Before we do that, the only thing better than CFL football is maybe getting out on the lake at Aiken's Fly-In Fishing Lodge here in Manitoba. Um, there's really nothing like it, both the atmosphere, the fishing, and the people. If you're thinking about a once-in-a-lifetime fishing trip, whether it be with family after the pandemic or maybe some sort of a corporate outing, find out more on a spot at Aikens Lake. There is still some limited availability this season, but you can start planning for next year. Find out more at AikensLake.com or on Twitter. Give our friend Pitt Turan a buzz at Aikens Lake on Twitter. Um, the gang at Wallace & Wallace is everywhere in Winnipeg. You've seen the trucks and fences all around the city. They're Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists serving the city and province for over 75 years. Whatever sort of fence you need, they got it. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. 
And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. 452-2700 is the number. One of the experts will come down and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them and find out more at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Uh, the gang at Vita Health Fresh Market features Great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries at one of seven Winnipeg locations. Um, they've been doing this, uh, you know, speaking of longtime local businesses, uh, Vita Health's been doing it for over 60 years here in Winnipeg. And not only do you have all those amazing supplements, products, groceries, and more, some great lunch options if you're looking for something healthy on the go, grab-and-go Vita Market salads, soup, sandwiches, and more. Not to mention great barbecue options, including delicious lean bison steaks or chicken. Vita Health Fresh Market. Check them out. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. And I've seen a lot of folks lately giving some love to our pals over at F Apparel. Of course, F Apparel is Winnipeg's leader in custom suits and clothing for men with custom suits starting at just $400. Uh, I saw John Rush tweeting out how great Andrew and the gang over at F Apparel took care of him. I know Ken can speak to that as well. Bottom line, guys, everyone needs one suit, that at least one suit that fits and looks great. And F's custom-made suits start at 400 bucks. If you're in a wedding party, they'll give you a great deal, 15% off for all the fellas to get suited up. And you'll be able to... You know, wear that suit for many other events as opposed to just one wedding. Pop down and see him at 190 Smith Street downtown or online at F E P H F apparel.com. All right, Ken Weeb coming up. We'll get his thoughts on uh, the Jets coaching search and, of course, find out how it was in uh, Denver and Edmonton for the conference final that ended all too quickly for most sports fans. But first things first, let's get ready for Friday night. IG Field, Bombers Red Black, CFL kickoff here for the two-time Grey Cup champs. And it's a pleasure to welcome in the new voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on CJOB 680, Derek Taylor to Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, and welcome back to the peg. I mean, we talked when you first got the gig, but uh, it's been great to hear you on the Superstation. And uh, I'm sure you're about as excited for Friday as most of the fans are. Oh, it's going to be great, right? Ah, oh, it's just everything about it. The, the preseason is nice. It gives you a chance to charge up, but now you get to focus and drill down on who are the 45, 46 guys that are going to be playing. And Oh, look at this. Paul Appelice and Darvin Adams are back. Just add a little extra spice to it for the first time since Lapo left after the 2019 season. So, yeah, um, Friday's going to be just enormous. You know, listen, I want to talk about the game, obviously, and get your insights on the league overall going in. But let's first talk about the gig. I mean, how's the transition been? You're here. Uh, listen, from my personal standpoint, I'm looking at where you're at right now. You've moved into a game room, which I could certainly do. I know that <laughs> there's some life things, new house and whatnot that'll take place very soon. Um, but how's the transition been? Moving from one rival to their arch rival and, of course, coming back to Winnipeg where you spent so much time before. It hasn't been bad, to tell you the truth. The, the, the fans in Saskatchewan, some of them, a couple are, are angry, but I think a lot of people just kind of recognize that, hey, uh, he, he loved the Riders while he was here. He gave us, you're just the conduit to the team that they love, right? Is kind of how I perceive it. So as long as I give folks the information on the team they love, they're, they're going to 
like me, love me, or just at least tolerate me. So, you know, sometimes you just want to be tolerated. Just listen and tolerate. That's all we ask for. Uh, so it's it's been good in that respect. You To some folks, you have to prove your bona fides. You have to say, well, I was on the field when that guy jumped out of the crowd and tried to beat up one of the BC Lions. You have to prove your – or Doug Brown was once super mad at me for asking him a question or stuff like that. You have to prove some bona fides to some people. But ultimately – as long as you love the sport that they love, I think that's going to be good enough for, for listeners. I certainly hope it is because, man, do I love the CFL. Well, everybody knows that. I mean, listen, I mean, not only were you the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but before that spent so much time really with some of the most innovative coverage for the Canadian Football League that we've had in a long, long time. And I think, you know, you actually do deserve a lot of credit for the way this game is being covered by a number of people in the industry. And you've taken that to the play-by-play gig and uh, you know you've always had a unique voice in it and I think fans have loved that and that's been a big part of why you've been successful um but you are coming here to Winnipeg and it, listen it was we knew when we first spoke this would be probably a seamless transition going to a legacy station here that is synonymous with Blue Bomber football um you know following in the footsteps of an incredible Hall of Famer that raised the bar quite high um, but at the end of the day, you know this community, you know the football community, you've got a great connection with the Bisons beforehand, and uh, listen, from calling in the visitor booth, you know a lot about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers too, so uh, as far as getting back in the booth and doing it, it's just, just basically been seamless, a few different surroundings, but pretty much the same thing that you love to do? Yeah, pretty much. Like Doug Brown, who I work with, is obviously very experienced, right? He's been doing this for a decade, so... He's got it locked. Uh, Ed Tate, who's with us on the pregame show. Ed's been around the CFL for 30 years and been working for the Bombers since I think it's 2016. So those are guys that you can rely on if, while I've been watching the whole league, you know, in depth since 2015, if I missed something that was critically important to the Bombers that I'll learn at a later date, these guys can fill that in. Oh, hey, remember that one moment in 2019 when, but up, but up, you know, those guys are, are critically important. For that so it's it's been it's been good and and ultimately yeah like you get used to a new partner who's got rhythms and you want to make sure that you're providing them what they need so they can give the listeners what they need because i, I you know it, if i if i am not good doug can't be as good and if it, so you know you you lift doug up and then it lifts us all up as we go and christian amell on the sideline providing his content and greg mackling and all the gang ted wyman of the winnipeg sun if we're if we're all doing well and, and working hard to support each other, we're all going to sound great. And that's ultimately the goal. DT, I want to get into the team and the league, but um, uh, quickly fill our listeners and viewers in on, um, you know, when they can find out your content. Obviously, you'll be doing the coaches show. You've got expanded pre and post game coverage as well as the week. I mean, uh, when can people hear your bomber coverage on CJOB? All right. Weekly coaches show seven to eight on CJOB. On days where there are on Monday, excuse me, uh, on days where there is a Monday game like July 4th, we'll have it on the Tuesday at that same hour. Daily Coaches Show is at 4.15 uh, on the news. Richard Cloutier and uh, Julie Buckingham. Gosh, you can get me at DT on OB on Twitter. I'll be pumping out content there. I've got some really cool ideas of what we can do there. And then two hours before every kickoff, you listen to us on CJOB or online at CJOB.com and get all your great information leading up to uh, – all 18 plus uh, two point, well, one playoff game because they'll host the West Final 
and then uh, the great cops. So yeah, 20 more bomber games this coming season. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Derek Taylor, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on CGOB with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. The home opener against Ottawa is Friday night. And we're going to see a similar team, many of the same faces on this Blue Bomber Club. But as with professional sports, there's always turnover. Um, what what stood out from the preseason for you, DT? I mean, I know there was a lot of new things for the job itself. But just as far as the team goes, you know, this Winnipeg football team very, team very well. Um, many similar faces, but um, were there a few guys yeah. that kind of stood out? And did anyone really surprise you in grabbing a job once the final cuts were made? Well, I, I think maybe the big surprise from Bomber Camp is Dalton Schoen. Uh, you'll see him number 83 uh, when the game kicks off on Friday. We saw him in the preseason as well. Schoen came in and, you know, he was with the number twos at rookie camp and he was with the number twos as a receiver at training camp and just slowly but surely worked his way up through doing things the coaches like. When Greg Ellingson needed some time off to deal with a minor injury, there went Dalton Schoen into Ellingson's position at slot back. And then the final day of camp, Ellingson was back and Schoen stayed with the number ones in place of Janarian Grant. And you, you think of that and you go, well, Janarian's a guy who has been with the team for a while. Coaches know what he's all about. And yet they put Schoen into the number ones. It honestly tells you a lot about the work that, that he has done and what the coaches must think of him. So when Friday kicks off, I fully expect to see Rashid Bailey, Dalton Schoen, Nick Dembski, Greg Ellingson, Drew Wolitarski being the, the starting lineup. Uh, they're trying to replace seven bodies, right? There are some that were uh, elite, but there there aren't there weren't ones at critical positions, superstar critical positions that they need to replace like some other teams do. Drew Desjardins, a guard. Darvin Adams, Kenny Lawler, forgive me, a superstar at a critical position, but they put in Greg Ellingson. Andrew Harris, but I think you and I have talked about where I am with running backs, and running backs to me are more about the offensive line and the scheme that they're asked to, to play in. Steven Richardson, well, Casey Sales has already been here for a year. DeAndre Alford's gone, but Winston Rose had been back, and they get veteran Tyquan Glass in to be that field side cornerback. So uh, unlike some other teams that had their their stars move on to other teams, whether by choice or, or uh, the player decided to go, the Bombers don't have that, right? Big Hill, uh, Jefferson, uh, Jeff Coat, Stanley Bryant, Jamarcus Hardrick, Zach Kalaris, all those guys are back. And, and to me, that puts the Bombers absolutely in the catbird seat. Honestly, a fair bit above every other team in the league. How would you describe Schoen? And it, did he sort of make the most of the opportunity when Jalen Saunders was sent packing to uh, take advantage of that spot that maybe was earmarked for a former established CFLer? Well, Saunders never really got above the second team in practice as we kind of watched him. He he never he got into the first team for a little, a very little bit, but he didn't never really made the impact. And yet there was shown every day. Uh, coaches talk about him running, you know. One of the big things for them isn't necessarily how fast you are, how, how athletic you are. Coaches like to, when they talk to us, say, we're focused on are you in the right spot at the right time? And, and that's what they give Sean a ton of credit for. Obviously, if you're getting to a CFL camp with the back-to-back Grey Cup champions, you have the requisite level of athleticism and hands and everything else. But being in the right spot at the right time, knowing the playbook, oh, you went from the field side slot back to the boundary side slot back. Now you need to know different parts of the play. Can you do that? And Sean has been able to do all that. He had, uh, I think he caught every single one of his targets in the preseason games as well. So he... 
it won't pop. If you remember when Brandon Zilstra popped off the screen for the Edmonton Elks back in, what was it, 16, 17? It's not that level of this guy's destined to be in the NFL, but he might be he might be really good in a couple of years, right? And he'll get a chance to show it, I think, on Friday. As far as the backfield goes, you mentioned Andrew Harris. We all know what he meant to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and you know he'll be expected to be leaned on big time with the Toronto Argonauts in his new home. Um, Brady Oliveira and Johnny Augustine, the two next ones, both with Canadian passports. How do you see this working? I mean, do you think that there'll be a relatively, like will it be a 60-40 split, a 70-30? Or do they start with one guy, give it to him consistently and repeatedly, and one guy is more a true backup to the other? I, I think more the one guy and then the other guy will be a true, more or less a true backup to the other. I feel like that's what most teams would want to do. They bring different skill sets, right? Oliveira is bigger. Uh, meanwhile, Johnny Augustine is, is is smaller and faster. Like Augustine is just lightning quick. All throughout camp, uh, we've seen Oliveira as the number one. And, and so it, it, there's no reason for me to think that anything's going to be different come Friday. It feels like they would like Oliveira to, to take the reins and, and be the number one back. But there's so many of us uh, myself included, first time I interviewed Johnny Augustine in training camp, I said, please consider this my official application for vice president of the Johnny Augustine fan club. Because that cat of any back currently in the CFL, any any back continuing in the CFL, the highest yards per carry rate of, of any running He's back. He's so productive. Yards. Every time you right. give him the football, he makes something happen. Right. And and so much of that uh, for me is is just what do you do when the hole is there? If the hole is not there, everybody's pooched, even the best running back. John Cornish in his prime, if there wasn't a hole, he was he was done. But man, what you saw in some of those preseason snaps was line opens up a massive hole and Augustine boop is through it and has 15 yards before you blink. You go, that is that is something to harness. And that's the strength of this offensive line. When you when you look at run blocking numbers, there there's uh, adjusted line yards, the stat I co-opted from football outsiders and just brought to the CFL. Winnipeg's the best run blocking line in the in the CFL, narrowly ahead of Montreal last season. You open those holes, guys get through it fast. It's going to work great, honestly, no matter who it is. Neither guy brings the entire package that Andrew Harris did, uh, the consistent checkdown guy, and uh, you know the. Andrew Harris, uh, I don't I don't know it as well as coaches, but I don't remember backs better than Andrew Harris in pass protection. Oh, the guy's now coming from the far side. I'll go get him. Boom. We're fine. Zach can get the ball off. I don't remember a back better than Andrew Harris. Those guys, these guys will have to pick up that role as well. But as far as running the football, I, I'm a huge Johnny Augustine guy. And, and honestly, I, I'm not alone. So uh, I think a lot of us are curious to see when will Johnny get a get a shot. You beat me to the next question, DT, and that's a sign of a great answer. But I was going to ask you about the pass protection. I was wondering, does Brady Oliveira have an advantage in that area of the game? And is that why he might have maybe a little bit of a leg up, especially in the regular package? Because the bottom line is everyone else can play well. If something happens to Zach Caleros, we got serious problems here in Winnipeg. Yeah, and, and that'll be a key factor. I'm sure that is a key factor for coaches, right? How, like we talked about with Dalton Schoen, are you in the right place at the right time for a, for a back when you're needed, when you see that, okay, well, they showed four, but actually two more are creeping up, and now i got to go get one of the guys on the edge. Do you get the right guy? Because, yeah, uh, the quarterback is the thing in professional football. I, It's one of the things that 
coaches won't explicitly tell us stuff, certain stuff in the media. It's one of the things I, I just kind of assume, though I can't, I can't prove, and I don't necessarily have the knowledge to to show it that maybe that's where Oliveira gets the consistent advantage over Johnny Augustine. Again, I I don't have anything to back that up, but there's got to be some reason why coaches look at Oliveira and then they look at Johnny Augustine again, six point eight yards per carry for his career, and go, it's Brady. There's, there's got to be several things. So that's one thing that we'll be looking for. Where, who's got late blitzers and how are they picked up? And is it just a function of, of size? Like so much of blocking, they'll tell us is they want to. Guys want to. You've got to step up in the hole and get the blitzing Avery Williams on mm-hmm. Friday. Uh, but how much of it is 190 pounds versus 220 pounds in, in a running back body? Yeah, and and by the way, folks, our DraftKings contest is open. We're over 40 people, so if you want to get in. And listen, DT, we live in sort of a fantasy football world, and you know we'll talk about touches, we'll talk about touchdowns, yards. The one thing that's not as sexy that doesn't get talked about very much is picking up a key block and allowing your quarterback to, to throw for it, and certainly that'll be a big part of it. Speaking of the quarterbacks, we know Zach is the man. What did you see from the uh, the guys competing to be the backup in training camp? What do you make of the depth chart? And, um, you know, if the Bombers do have to go to their number two, um, where's the confidence level? I think if I think and I think it applies to a few teams. I think if if they have to go to their number two, uh, let's go trade for Trevor Harris. Like Trevor Harris is the one piece that's kind of sitting out there in the CFL right now. Uh, he's he's in Montreal and he's the backup to Vernon Adams Jr. And to me, he's a guy that if you lost your starting quarterback to avoid an absolute disaster, uh, this would apply to gosh Hamilton. This would apply to probably it would, wouldn't it be weird to see him back in Ottawa. But to to me in Winnipeg, if you lost Zach Caleros, the the drop from Zach to any quarterback is going to be big. But to to Drew Brown and to uh, Dakota Prukop. Both guys have had some flashes in preseason, Brown and Prukop. Both guys I wonder about over the course of the season just because we haven't seen it. I was talking to Dakota in camp, and I said, it feels like you're at the same spot uh, Cody Fajardo was in 2019. Of You've been in the league a while. You, you're tremendous at running the football and in the quarterback sneak game and things like that, but we're not sure what you would look like for a full season as a passer. For Fajardo, obviously, it worked out fantastically in 2019. There's no reason that couldn't be Dakota Prukop's future, but there's no guarantee that, you know, this thing will happen twice in a, in a four-year span, right? So I feel like if it's me and I'm the GM of, of the Bombers and Zach Polaris goes down, I, I start looking at options because this is a team that is primed to, to win. And the quarterback's the most important position. And I just kind of need somebody who is, honestly, 2018 Matt Nichols could very, probably be a great cup favorite with this with this roster versus where the rest of the CFL is and the questions that exist in the rest of the CFL. So I, I think I think Trevor Harris becomes an interesting pivot point in the CFL this year and, you know, in the disaster scenario, maybe for the Bombers, too. Is uh, Prukop the guy that'll be vulturing all the touchdowns of Winnipeg starting running backs and uh, going for double digits on uh, the one yard line? I uh, Vernon Adams is, of course, the ultimate vulture in the CFL for fantasy fans. Uh, Dakota Prukop will be one to watch. I'm curious to see how they will do short yardage situations, uh, how much they'll just leave Zach in because Zach is Zach is absolutely fine in those scenarios. But 
Yeah, Dakota Prokop would be the uh, if you if you're playing in the DraftKings league, the he would be the the vulture that you worry about. <laughs> uh, Derek Taylor, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on OBs with us. Kicking game's always been a big topic, certainly for the last couple of years. Looks like Mark Leggio is uh, going to be the guy, both kicking and punting. What did you see over the course of training camp, the preseason? And um, it, it, I would imagine, certainly from where I'm standing, this is TBA going forward. See how it goes. But um, how did he win the job? Yeah, uh, Leggio... Honestly, Legio, I, I, I have a fair bit of confidence in him. Uh, when you adjust punting for, you know, field position and stuff like that, Legio was slightly above average last season, which is good. There weren't a lot of, lot of punters above average. And then, you know, Cody Grace in Calgary and Richie Leone in Ottawa were just miles better than everybody else. But Mark Legio was an above average punter. So that's a good start. His kickoffs in the preseason, they were good. His field goals I'll keep I'll keep trumpeting the stat till we get more information. He was five made of converts. You can't be that way. That cost your team a couple of points on average. He was five of eight on field goals too, but his average field goal distance attempted last year was 45 yards. For kickers like Rene Paredes and Boris Bidet, their average field goal attempt was 35 yards. So Legio, his average kick was asked to be 10 yards longer, which I go, okay. That's one, that's a lot because that's not asked of any kicker, you know, over the course of a season. So he's going to get the smaller opportunities and make those. And we'll all forget about, hey, the fact that he missed three kicks of 40 plus, whatever, whatever it was. Uh, but two, like his numbers in college, if you translated them to a CFL rate, he looked really good. Like he, he has, he has everything you need in a kicker, you know, maybe no more, uh, whatever that attempted sneak was in the West final, maybe no more of that, <laughs> but Legio kind of has everything that you need. And I, I feel like don't look at the fact that he was 68% on his field goals in 2021, because there's a lot that was asked of him and a lot that goes into that number. He looks really good. Coach O'Shea talks about, you know, consistency and fixing and fixing anything along the way. He loves, he says he likes what Legio and Ali Mortada have done. So, He's got confidence in them. Uh, we'll see how. I mean, there's no reason to think that the, that uh, Legio can't be a really good kicker in this league because he's got the college track record. He just, in my mind, you know, a few more attempts, and if we see him hit a few, if he gets a few 27 yarders, we're all going to forget about the fact that he was five of eight in 2021. DT, let's move on to the other side of the football. You know, a couple significant departures in DeAndre Alford and Stole Richardson, among others, from the defense, but the key core is back. Um, but a big injury to Mercy Maston over the course of the the, the preseason. Um, how's the defense shaping up for the Ottawa Red Blacks on Friday night? Well, you've got the two Terminators on the outside, right? Jackson Jeffcoat and Willie Jefferson. So that's a great place to start. Uh, Jeffcoat, as the injury report says, been dealing with an ankle injury. Hasn't practiced a ton, but I feel like he's one of those guys you probably need to cut his foot off to keep him from playing. So uh, no reason to expect that's not that's a problem. Adam Big Hill in the middle, Kyrie Wilson, like their front six is is going to be good. You replace Steven Richardson with Casey Sales. Sales is a guy who performed and would get pressure when he was in that unit when Richardson was not. So while he may not be stove, uh, Casey Sales showed really well. The back six, okay, you lose DeAndre Alford, but you replace him with a four-year veteran in Taekwon Glass at that field side cornerback spot. And, you know, it didn't go particularly well for glass in Montreal last season, but that's, that's a guy with experience. And again, 
knows where to be and knows how to play. He and Nick Taylor seem to work well together. I, I feel like that's going to be absolutely fine because your your lockdown side of uh, Winston Rose and Dietrich Nichols looks perfect. Nichols had a had a rep yesterday where this is kind of the stuff that we learn as football fans, but he was doing Ellingson was running a corner route against him, and Nichols kind of went, "Oh, this is going to be a corner route." So. He didn't follow Ellingson. He just went, okay, I know where the ball's going, and I'm going to get there. And he got there, and he broke it up. And I thought, well, that's super smart that you ran to where you – well, one, that you knew where the ball was going to be, and two, that you just ran there and didn't follow the receiver. You're like, well, that's that's smart. I like that. From a second-year player, I love it. So uh, the back six, Don, Don Rutledge, who says, call me Rut, is the guy to watch, right? He's the one filling in. For Mercy Maston, who, I mean, essentially is fielding in for Alden Darby, right, who was the Sam last year. Rutledge is, is a good-sized guy, 6'2", probably goes about 210, 215, so not Derek Moncrief's size, but bigger than most Sam linebackers in the league. And like he said, I've played a lot of positions. I've played, you know, halfback, and I've played corner, and I've played Mike linebacker in, in this, and he's been jumping into drills and different spots wherever he's asked. He looks like a guy who's excited to be here. We'll we'll see how it goes when it, when an offense is really trying to kill you. But I'm when you look at it on the whole, when Brandon Alexander is back, currently that'll be Malcolm Thompson, I think, for Friday's game. When Brandon Alexander is back, that's a as far as back six is going to CFL, that's probably in the top three with teams like Hamilton and BC. So I, I think it's gonna be just fine despite the fact you lose a guy to the NFL. All right, DT pregame show Friday. 5.30 p.m. before the 7.30 kickoff. Make sure to get there early and be in your seat for the uh, another Grey Cup banner uh, raising. Three quick hits on the CFL because you follow this league and cover it as closely as anybody. The Bombers are the Grey Cup favorite on the betting odds. The Saskatchewan Riders are number two. Should they be, are they the biggest threat to the Bombers, 3 P? No, they're not. No. No. Who lost, is? Lost players. Uh, Ottawa. I'm just saying it. Ottawa. Ottawa slash Calgary. If Bo Levi Mitchell is right, Calgary's going to be a problem in the West Division. But Ottawa and a healthy Calgary. Okay, well, this is a perfect segue into the next one. Speaking of odds boards, I've never seen this before. In the East right now, if you look at win totals for all four teams, they're between 8.5 and 9.5, and which tells us that there is parity, at least perceived parity, unlike any time we've seen before. Um who wins the East? And I guess part of it was how much better is Ottawa going to be? It sounds like you think a lot better. Ottawa added so much talent to an established coaching staff. I think Ottawa wins the East and, you know, jump on it because you can still get it at a real good price. I think Montreal is really going to struggle this season. So uh, to me, Ottawa, Hamilton, Toronto, Toronto was seven and one in one score games last year. So though I like their roster, they're going to, in my mind, regress a little bit because one score wins tend to regress the following season. Ottawa, Hamilton, Toronto, Montreal in the East. And Montreal, I don't think they push Edmonton for the worst team in the league, but Montreal, it's going to be a struggle for them. Well, you mentioned Edmonton. John Hodge and I were kicking this around yesterday. I mean, to me, the most intriguing teams this year. And I guess probably we should put Ottawa in, but I'm thinking of the BC Lions and the Elks, the BC Canadian quarterback situation. And of course, everything that comes with Chris Jones. Um, what do you make of BC and Edmonton going in? And uh, is there a team that interests you more than the other based on the uncertainties going into week one? Uh, if Nathan Rourke plays at a Matt Nichols 2018 level, BC is going to be a problem too. I was just looking before I came on with you. 
that back six and that front six on defense, oh, my gosh. And then, oh, by the way, Lucky Whitehead, Brian Burnham, Dominic Rimes, uh, Javon Katoy, BC, BC, if they get just not even like average quarterbacky, but seventh best quarterback in the CFL, BC has a roster that's ready to go. And, and I think a coach that can take them there. Edmonton, I just don't think they have man for man the players that the rest of the uh, rest of the league has. To me, that's the fifth best roster in the East, or probably in the West. And you saw it with Chris Jones' his first year in Saskatchewan, five wins, but planted the seeds for what was a real nice increase the following season. To me, that's this year. And then, oh, by the way, figure out your quarterback and just just know that it should be Nick Arbuckle based on what we saw in the preseason. You got to go with Arbuckle. But Edmonton, I think, finishes last and gets the first overall pick in the draft. Derek, thanks so much for doing this. People are fired up for the season. Can't wait to hear you and your new home on the 680 CGOB, the home of the Bombers. We'll look forward to the pregame coverage on Friday. And then, uh, of course, your first call, hopefully one of a very, I'm not sure if you'll be able to get to Bob's longevity, but uh, here's <laughs> to a game one of a very long, illustrious time here calling the best team in the Canadian Football League. I love it. Thanks, brother. Great cup preview on Friday with Winnipeg and Ottawa. I love this. <laughs> Let's do it. Thanks so much, DT. Have a great call on Friday. Thanks, buddy. All right. Great stuff with DT. Lots of CFL talk coming up over the next few days. Game day. AJ Jacobek, voice of the Ottawa Red Blacks, will join us on the visitors. Hoping to have an 80 tape pop by for a little game day visit as well. And tomorrow, Darren bombing the day before the game. And by the way, speaking of DB, for those of you with us on YouTube today, stick around at the end of the show. We'll uh, shoot you over like we've done to Kenny and Rennie a number of times because DB and Chris Walby will uh, be doing their game day Winnipeg show coming up after our program. Thought it was today. Is that tomorrow, Reem? Yeah, Darren told me it was tomorrow. Oh, okay. Well, regardless, when they're on Bonfire Sports on YouTube, but um, they're going to do, kind of figured out 3 o'clock's a good time. We've got a lot of people here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We'll shoot them over there. So we'll look forward to bombing and Walby getting after it, and uh, we'll send you there right after Winnipeg Sports Talk here uh, by, uh, well, simple, a magic press of the button by one (laughs) Michael Remus. Of course, Princess Otto ready to welcome all Bomber fans for the big tailgate beforehand outside of IG Field. Princess Auto, proud sponsor of the Bombers and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Check them out on Panet Road and Portage Avenue West or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Well, you know Ken's in the house. Hydration, both in the chat and with our guest, and all of us, uh, but I mean, hey, listen, Culligan Water are uh, experts in the water game for 65 years as a locally family-owned business. Uh, they've got you covered for whatever you need. Water softers, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whether it's for the home, the cottage, or the office, Culligan has you covered. 1200 Sargent Avenue, and you can find out more online at Drink. Culligan.com. Hey, you're probably needing a little bit of extra bomber gear to kick off the new season. Pop down and see our pals over at Royal Sports. They've got uh, the new third jersey with the two stripes for the Grey Cups. They've got some exclusive back-to-back Grey Cup champion hats that you won't find anywhere else. An incredible selection of bomber merchandise, not to mention Winnipeg Jets, NHL, 
NBA, Major League Baseball, tons of Jets gear, and a huge growing soccer section, including all the Canadian merchandise that they can get. That's another story entirely, as we've learned this week, on how CSA is handling merch and all the things that can bring in revenue. Bottom line is, though, Royal Sports is your merch headquarters, not to mention your hockey superstore, soccer, softball, baseball, bikes, fitness, disc golf, tennis, and more. Whatever you need when it comes to on or off the court, Royal Sports is there. 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sales information. And hey, speaking of bomber supporters, I know Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery are ready to go. They always have some funny TikToks on their on their uh, on their account. You know, maybe disparaging bomber opponents. You know, they'll be ready to go. And of course, they're ready to go for summer. Expanded hours right now till 8 p.m. So you can make the most of the week with what you need to do and get after it, enjoying yourself on the weekend. Whether you're working on a hot rod, you've got a boat, a to-do, batteries for literally everything at Manitoba Battery. And the best part about it is you'll save time and you'll save money big time as opposed to Canadian Tire or the big box stores. Pop down and see them. Over on Logan Avenue, 1026, you can give them a call at 783-8787 to arrange a pickup, and you can find out more on everything they've got for you over at manitobabattery.com. All right, let's get Weber in here a little earlier this week because guess what? He's golfing on Friday. Go figure. Hey, welcome back. Uh, what's going on? How are you? Can't just freeze out? Yeah, no, we we're won't. good. Sorry, Haas. Sorry about that. No, no, you're good. You're good. Oh, there we are. There we are. Ken's Sorry back. Sorry about Ken. that. Yes. Haas, great to see you. Great to be with you. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, there hasn't been a lot of golfing happening. And uh, I do regret to inform you that I will not be part of the uh, garage sale uh, raid on Saturday with you and the hammer. But Too I do bad. look forward to maybe, uh, you know, definitely making that a uh, something that we put on the agenda at some point this summer. Yeah, I'll pick you up some sort of mug for 25 <laughs> cents in someone's uh, someone's back, back lane. Plus, I've been. I want to. I want to get the old school typewriter for my office. That's one of the things that I, I've have. I've had Hammer on the lookout for me a few times, but uh, we have not been able to find one yet. But uh, certainly look forward to getting one at some point. Now, here. what exactly would you use that typewriter for? Would it be decorative, or would <laughs> yes, you be yes, like yes. when you do your personal correspondences to friends? <laughs> you're going back to old school. No, no, I'm not into email anymore. I'm <laughs> typing you a letter. I will correspond to you in a week, depending on what Canada Post can do. Also, I'm more of a handwritten letter type of guy, but uh, definitely it would be for show. Like, you know, Reynolds has the great backdrop with the Hockey Night in Canada blue blazer. So I, I got to get, I got to stake with my roots and get the old, uh, get the old uh, Underwood out there in the backdrop. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Uh, how was the uh, conference finals? I mean, listen, I think for probably the people covering it, certainly for fans, it didn't go as long as we wanted. Uh, what was your experience both in Denver and in Edmonton, Kenny? Yeah, Hassa, I got to be honest. I've been uh, I've been humming small things uh, pretty much daily since being inside <laughs> Ball Arena. <laughs> Not gonna bust it out for karaoke anytime soon, but uh, it's a pretty catchy tune that the uh, folks at Ball Arena got into uh, after Game Two. Was that the uh, first really... time you'd heard that song? First time live, Hus. I mean, first time from the fans. And you were uh, familiar it, with it before. Uh, that that, I, I that was, didn't completely I, escape you. <laughs> no, that that's kind of right in my right in my era for sure. Uh, but no, great atmosphere there at Ball Arena for sure. And honestly, you know, the first minute of Game Three in Edmonton was absolutely off the charts. 
Connor Connor McDavid uh, shot out of a cannon. I think Dave Poulin kind of captured the wording that all of us in attendance were using as well. Uh, and then the series kind of turned around uh, on the Evander Kane uh, push from behind that resulted in the five-minute major and the uh, subsequent one-game suspension. I mean, McDavid had one shift, basically, or two shifts in the nine minutes or ten minutes that followed because of the uh, major penalty. And then they took a minor right after that. So they basically had McDavid feeling as good as he had all playoffs and then sitting on the bench, basically, for the majority of that time. And it really sucked the life out of the building. Uh, they never, McDavid wasn't really as dangerous for the remainder of the game. Uh, but obviously, Dreisaitl and McDavid were outstanding in game four. Uh, but they weren't quite as good as the other guy on the back end of the avalanche who uh, was off the charts with five points and nine points in the series for Kale McCarr. Just an absolute magician on the back end. Um, man, oh man, was he ever fun to watch, Huss. And it was a really fun series. It reminded me a little, maybe not quite as much of the Jets Oilers, but the series was closer than a sweep would suggest. But there was no question who the better team was. So that was probably the difference. I mean, being around Edmonton, all the Oilers people were saying, oh, well, the Oilers could easily swept that series, let alone get swept. Uh, this time there was no doubt as to who the better team was, but the Avalanche uh, certainly had a little bit more depth. But the Oilers took an important step forward. Um, you know, for me, I think the turning point was the offside call. Or, or, or the lack thereof. I mean, if that is not allowed, it's 2-2 going into the, in the intermission. Instead, it's 3-2, and then they score on the power play to, you know, get, you know, a two-goal lead, which then, of course, built throughout it. I mean, to me, I mean, I know there was a lot of hockey still left to be played, but, you know, considering the challenge of going in, winning one in Denver, um, the way they started and came back in that game, I mean, to me, that certainly would be right up there with the most pivotal moments in the series from where I'm sitting. Yeah, totally fair, House. I mean, I know we talked about that last week, and it, it certainly was an important part of the game. But uh, And I I mean, I still, in real time, I want that called offside. I mean, I don't think that anyone with a naked eye saw so much so that the line, I mean, the, by definition and letter of the law, the linesman made the right call. But in real time, that looked like, Looked like a call that should have been made offside personally, but uh, it, it, the Oilers battled. But also, I mean, Leon playing on one leg, high ankle sprain was officially revealed today. I mean, this guy played his threshold, pain threshold was off the charts. Uh, the fact that he had four primary assists in that elimination game, despite having to basically leave the ice on several occasions, uh, was incredibly impressive. But man, Huss, we've talked about it all year long. The Avalanche are the gold standard in the Central Division and in the Western Conference. Man, do they have a deep team. They did not look like a team that was playing without their, let's say, for point of argument, third best defenseman in Samuel Girard, um, let's say top three forward in Nazem Kadri, and their starting goalie, yet they still found a way to sweep the series. I mean, to me, that was pretty impressive. They played with Kadri for almost two full games Kemper left in game one, leaving the net to Pravel Francois. And Gerard's been gone since you know game three of the St. Louis series. And all they've done, oh, by the way, we'll just shuttle in Bo Byram, a top five pick, to eat up the minutes. And they didn't miss a beat despite missing such a key cog. So uh, the Avalanche are very deep. And us, what were we talking about last week? Miko Rantanen hadn't really gotten going in the last you know first two rounds. He's got a goal in every game in round three when his team needs him most and he moved to center when they needed him to after Kadri left the lineup. So 
Uh, JT Comper had an ex- excellent series. You know, Andrew Kopp's former teammate, he was excellent. Uh, but this is a very good team. This is a very good hockey team. You and I have talked about Devon Taves and what a steal it was for the Colorado Avalanche to pick him up. It was interesting. Uh, noticed on Twitter, I think it was Jay Fresh, but I'm not 100% sure, mentioning that Declan Chisholm could project to be a Devon Taves type of player. So uh, that was an interesting thing to read during the course of this series, uh, something I thought might catch the attention of Jets fans. But boy, oh boy, that pairing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they're show me a better pairing than those two guys, Huss. I, I'm all ears, but I'm not certain that there's a better pairing in the National Hockey League than Kale McCarr and Devon Taves. And having watched them live the last four games, uh, I'm pretty sure I would take that side of the argument. I don't think there is a better pairing in the NHL right now. Let me ask you this, because everyone's talking about Kale McCarr, and, you know, with them playing in the West and, you know, sometimes some later games, I think a lot of fans don't get a chance to see the Avalanche. They're certainly not on national TV here in Canada all the time. Um, Kale McCarr, over the course of the next five years, I, someone was having this conversation yesterday. I regret I can't remember where it was, regardless. Does Kale McCarr win a heart trophy in the next five years? That's my colleague, Elliot Friedman, has been uh, banging on that Kale McCarr drum the last couple of days here, and it's hard to argue with him. Uh, obviously, we know the importance of Nathan McKinnon to that team. He is the driver up front, but boy, oh boy, McCarr, just an absolute beast on the back end. Five goals, 22 points. And Huss, here's the crazy part. I think he's fifth in scoring. They've had two sweeps so far. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough to rack up points when you're sweeping your competition. Uh, I think the answer would be yeah. The short answer would be yes, Huss, just because of how impactful he is on all areas. I mean, we often talk in the Norris, and some people get rattled that oh, it's just the best offensive player that wins the Norris. Well, no. I mean, you got to be able to defend. I mean, we talked about it last week too. The ability for Kale McCarr to stay with Connor McDavid, I think it was in game one, where it looked like he was going to be the roadrunner and blow past him, and he reaches around with one hand, poke checks the puck cleanly, but he was still even with him. McDavid blows by, I would say, 99.9% of all other defensemen in the National Hockey League. McCarr plays him straight up and then poke checks him and doesn't take a tripping minor or anything of the sort. That was just absolutely extraordinary what he was able to do on the back end. And then look at his offense. I mean, here we talk about this all the time. Oh, well, the Jets need somebody to pound the puck from the top on the power play. Look at Kale McCarr's opening goal. Wrist shot from the top of the point. But he scores it because Gabe Landeskog is the uh, lunar eclipse, essentially. There's no chance Mike Smith saw it. They got traffic. He got the puck through quickly. And boy, oh boy, the things that he does in terms of his zone exits and puck moving ability, joining the rush on the second wave, uh, you know, it's tough to argue. He's Right now, he's one of the best players in the NHL. There's no doubt about it. And he's only getting better. That's the scary part. You know who's not one of the best players in the NHL? Mike Smith. And <laughs> I, I mean, I guess you can say, oh, yeah, that was all the all the screen. I'm not sure whether I'll go that far. I mean, it looked like he just sort of waved at it and missed it, but you didn't see it. Huss. You didn't see it. Um, he didn't see a lot of things so far <laughs> over the course of the playoffs. I mean, it's sort of amazing that the Oilers were able to get to the conference finals, especially in the Calgary series, right? When he was given up a bad one each and every game. Now I know Ken Holland talked about it and we won't spend much time on the Oilers, but, uh, I, one of the most, puzzling things that happened last year in the offseason was that they were not able to improve that goaltending position. And despite all the gains that they made as a team with their players, with the coaching staff, 
that still has to be a massive, massive check mark on the to-do list for Ken Holland this year is to uh, support Mike Smith and to get a guy that can come in and truly be a number one because I don't think Mike Smith is that guy. Plus, the thing that we've forgotten already, nine Smith or Mike Smith was like almost a 930 goaltender last year in the Canadian division. I know it was a smaller, you know, grouping of teams, but Mike was a he was on the periphery of the Vesna Trophy candidacy a year prior. So uh, I know where you're coming from. And game three is a great example. It was the full Mike Smith experience. Yes. I mean, nine saves on the five minute major. Some of them he had no business making whatsoever. And then you got the visit from the Muffin Man when JT Comfer slips one through the five hole, right? I mean, the place just absolutely could, was shocked, right? I mean, <laughs> you know who was got J- mentioned yesterday yeah. in this? This that was a vintage Andre Pavlik esque <laughs> performance. <laughs> it's Pav, brilliant save, brilliant save, and then how the hell did that thing go in? Hey, JT Comfort didn't even raise his arms because he didn't know where the puck was. That was the beauty of the situation. <laughs> and then they're like, oh yeah, right on. It's the it's the potential game winner. Uh, yeah, Hus, I mean, there's lots of talk, uh, you know, uh, at the uh, local watering hole after game four, perhaps about Vili Husso. He's a guy that has been linked to the Oilers in the past. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. All you have to do is pay cash for him. Uh, you don't have to trade an asset to get him. Uh, and even to you at the exit meetings yesterday, Mike Smith still hadn't decided if he's even going to play next year. So that's a question mark for the Oilers. But they're high on Stuart Skinner. But I don't think they're ready to give Stuart Skinner the net as the number one guy. So Huso is a guy that makes a lot of sense. But it depends on the price tag, right? I mean, Huso was great this year. But then he lost his job to Jordan Bennington before he got hurt again uh, against the Avalanche. So I, I think they will definitely address it, Huss. But here's the thing. If the Oilers want to keep Evander Kane... It's going to cost them probably north of six million dollars. So, are you going to be able to get a five million dollar goalie if you got to pay seven or eight to Evander Kane? I mean, they they probably have to move Tyson Berry on the back end. You have Broberg ready to come in. You got Evan Bouchard is already even in Game Four was used on the top power play unit for the first period and or two periods I think or period and a half. So, here's a team that needs to clear out money just to keep Evander Kane, who had 13 playoff goals and was such a great fit. So. Uh, it's an interesting time for Ken Holland and the Oilers and Huss. I could being in the building, you can't help but compare to 2018. The Oilers have this huge breakthrough, but much like Jets fans, the Jets thought that it was going to be you know automatic back to the Western Conference final and then probably get to the final. And what they've won one playoff series since. I mean, is that what's going to happen in Edmonton? Or can they find the magic formula to keep the streak going and take another step forward? Yeah, well, I mean, if they implode internally, they won't be back. <laughs> but you know, listen, I mean, they've got enough talent there. I mean, and as long as 29 and 97 are there and 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 somewhat healthy. I mean, the performance at dry sidle still blows my mind. I mean, I know we talk a lot about McDavid with the 33 points. Dry sidle had 32. In yeah. 16 games, on one leg, 17 points in five games against the Calgary Flames. I was saying earlier, I mean, we, we've we talked for a while about how Kyle Connor was long this underrated player, and I don't know how a guy that has had the accolades and won the awards that Dreisaitl could be underrated, but I think at some point he is because we spend so much time legitimately talking about Connor McDavid. Anyways, enough about those guys, but the one tie-in to the Jets from Edmonton was some news today that the Oilers may be moving on from Jesse Pugliarvi. Um, Might he be a good fit with Winnipeg next season? Yeah, Huss, I mean, 
It's an interesting one. I understand his underlying numbers are quite good. And what we know for sure, Huss, is that, you know, until Patrick Laine kind of took off the year in 2016, the Jets had a lot of interest in Yessi Pugliarvi, right? Even as deep as the, you know, U18s and Grand Forks. But uh, they obviously made the right pick at the end, uh, going with Patrick Laine. To me, Pugliarvi... So did Columbus. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair point by you, uh, Hustles. Um Pugliarvi to me is interesting. It, there's a lot of raw materials there, Huss. You got size, you got skating. Um, and yes, the underlying numbers would suggest he could be a value proposition. But the hockey IQ portion is not quite at the level of the players the Jets are used to drafting in the first round. Um, he can get to the spots and he can create the chances, but his finishing ability is not as good. And for a big body, he's not always as physically engaged. I actually quite liked him for parts of game three, uh, but then he got banged up. And uh, anyways, this is my long-winded winded way of saying, Huss, uh, I think he could be a guy that a team would take a chance on, but you're not bringing in Jesse Pugliarvi to solve your top six scoring woes, Huss. I'm talking about your bottom six. I mean, Ken, right now there's seven guys signed for next season. And I think, I mean, when we look at Ed, when we look at Winnipeg, um, I mean, Dubois obviously top priority but i mean i'm not sure that the winnipeg just run it back with the same guys appleton harkins svechnikov they had brooks and sanford i mean there are some yeah. spots right now to be filled in and um you know certainly i, I would say Pugliarvi is an intriguing prospect considering it's not going to cost a huge amount from a contract side and you know there could be some sort of a fit that makes sense between the two clubs if they're talking about some sort of a deal for the rights of that player and maybe someone on the back end from Winnipeg to make to, to open up some space for that glut of defensemen that many people feel are ready to play at an NHL level. No, totally fine, Huss. And I, like I said, I'm not discounting it. I'm just not here to say that uh, Jesse Pugliarvi is the uh, you know the, the the solver of all problems uh, when it comes to even complementary scoring. Uh, but could he be a useful player? Absolutely. I mean, there are two. But what, what are, you, are you giving a prospect to get him? I mean, if the Oilers are looking to shed salary, you're not dumping off one of the contracts, which is what the Jets would actually like to do, right? So. Um, yeah, I mean, there could be a fit there for sure. There's, there are going to be teams that are interested because the package is so intriguing us, right? That's the beauty of a player like Pugliarvi. I mean, this is a guy that should at will be a 20 plus goal scorer, but it just, it just hasn't lined up for him so far. Uh, would he be worth a flyer? You know, I would, I would definitely uh, think that it makes some sense, but it depends on the cost and it depends on the, you know, the player's level of investment. I mean, I think that he would be a guy that could see an opportunity um, to do the job. But I mean, is he going to be riding shotgun with Adam Lowry or is he, does he have some top six potential there? Right. I mean, that, that would be the bigger question for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an intriguing, there's a lot of raw materials there. I'm going to go back to that. There, there's a lot of ability. And like I said, I know the underlying numbers are very good. Uh, I just didn't see him make much of an impact in that series. I know he had a couple nice shifts, but I, I left that series wanting more from Jesse Pugliarvi Huss. That was that was that's my... probably why he's going to be available. Yeah, no, <laughs> to be really honest, <laughs> totally. That, that's totally fine. But um, you know, converting a converting a project into a dominant force, I mean, that's not as easy as a lot of folks on the old Twitter machine might make it sound like. Is is all I'm trying to say with that.
Well, and, and listen, Winnipeg won't need Jesse Pugliarvi to be the solver of all problems. That's Barry no, Trotz's fair. job, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's let's get to the Trotz watch. It's been interesting to hear your colleague, Elliot. We just played the clip a little yeah. earlier. It seems like the Winnipeg Jets are so moving in a direction to maybe be a little bit more aggressive with talking to other candidates. Does that mean that things are not looking good for Barry Trotz or just with the calendar and the time? Is that something... That, you know, as a general manager, you have to do your due diligence on that, knowing that it's far from a sure thing. Well, that's the other part about what Elliot reported earlier in the week. I think that could have a, be playing a bigger role was that he's not even certain Barry is going to be coaching in in October. So to me, if if there is a debate as to we knew there was some discussion that he may not be coaching right out of the gate, knowing that he still has another year to be paid. Um, if that's the case, then you have to look at some contingency plans. And what I can tell you from being in Edmonton, Rick Tockett and Kevin Sheveldayoff have had a conversation. Uh, we know that the links to Jim Montgomery were raised by Elliot, I think, I believe, on the weekend as well. I'm not sure where it stands with Kirk Muller. We know there had been some interest in Kirk Muller. Um, all of these guys are intriguing candidates, Huss. And then now, very similarly to when Barry Trotz became an unexpected free agent, the arrival of Bruce Cassidy in the unemployment line offers up a new level of intrigue um, for teams like the Jets and many others. Um, yeah, I mean, I understand some Jets fans right away are you know concerned by some of the some of the buzz coming out from Don Sweeney and other suggestions that uh, he was hard on young players. Oh, that's not a good fit. Bruce Cassidy just rolled with a set six seventy nine winning percentage and made the playoffs in six consecutive seasons. Us, so I'm here to tell you that. I would expect there to be a conversation had between the two parties as well, just to see if there could be a fit because this is a guy who's very structured. Um, you know, I understand some people say, Oh, well, Claude Julian was there first and established the system. Well, Bruce Cassidy brought out a lot of the offensive of the Boston Bruins and didn't sacrifice on the defensive end. So I would say Bruce Cassidy is a very intriguing candidate and us. I know we're always looking for the threads of connection, I mean, Bruce Cassidy and his first NHL job when it didn't go so well had Randy Carlisle on his staff. So the True North folks would be quite, you know, they would be quite familiar with Bruce's coaching ability from that. And also, too, I mean, Bruce was, I think, with Grand Rapids in the American League at some point as well. And so. IHL. And yeah, IHL. Went so, yes. He went over. I think he had one year he in the, the I and then right? one year in the A. Exactly. The, uh, the yeah. time that we ran it. How, I mean, it was interesting to hear Elliot, you know, he said someone from Winnipeg and we hear this all the time. Like, why the hell are we just talking about guys that they know, or, you know, that have some connection to the organization. And he expanded on that, that I guess in their mind, it's a very unique market and a unique job. And you need the, the right person that understands that market. How important do you think that is to whoever the next coach is for the Winnipeg Jets, as far as getting the most out of the roster? Yeah, that's an interesting one to me. And, uh, you know, I've had this debate uh, with several others about this this whole narrative that it's, uh, you know, local connection or bust. I mean, let's go through the laundry list right now, Huss. Claude Noel, one year with the Manitoba Moose. It's not like he had 10 years with them. Uh, Wade Flaherty, there was a connection. Yes, he played for the Moose for two seasons. But Wade's connection was also with Kevin Sheveldayoff, having worked with the Blackhawks organization. Uh, Perry Pern was like original Jets. That had almost nothing to do with anyone except for Craig Heisinger. Um, let's go down the list. Jamie Compon. Jamie Compon, no connection to the organization. Todd Woodcroft, no connection. Paul Maurice, no connection. Um, so to me, this whole narrative that all the Jets do are talk to people they know, 
I think is a total fallacy, us. And Jim Montgomery, he played one year for the Manitoba Moose. It's not like he spent 10 years here as the Jimmy Roy face of the franchise. Does that mean he's familiar with the, the city momentarily? Yes. Jim Montgomery played in the minors for, I think, a decade. So he spent like a small time capsule of his time in Manitoba. Does he know some people here? Sure. Would he be comfortable here? Absolutely. Does that help? Yes. But to me, this whole narrative that the Jets only hire people that they know are true north, I mean, it's total BS, Huss. They didn't know Pascal Vincent at all. Pascal told me this great story the first year he was hired. He didn't even believe it when Claude Noel called him, offering them the job. He thought one of his buddies was pranking him. So I well, mean, let me ask you this, because you're right. You're right. I mean, all, the, all that is true. Then why do we consistently hear list of guys where like five or six of them have either been here before or connected or know some guys before? Is that just the media getting ahead of themselves based on a narrative that's not really true? I mean, we often try to connect the dots. Us. I mean, I think I might have said this to you before, but if not, maybe it was with Jimmy Toth. But I mean, Scott O'Neill, the reason Scott O'Neill is on the list isn't because he lives in Winnipeg in the offseason and his wife, Leah, stayed here. He's one of the most highly respected assistant coaches in the NHL. That's why he's on the list. I mean, does it help that he coached the Manitoba Moose briefly? Of course it does. He got them to the Calder Cup final that year in 2009. But I mean... It's not the only reason. I mean, this guy's a good good coach. I mean, for all the people that said it was, you know, Dale Howarchuk was going to become the Jets head coach, which would have been possible. I mean, Scott and Dale were best friends, and they 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 talked hockey all the time. So uh, I just too, I just think too, it's just so important to remember us. Everyone thinks, you know, did it go well for Scott O'Neill in Columbus? No, it didn't go as well as he hoped it would. If he had waited one more year, he might have been the Jets head coach instead of Claude Noel, right? But you take the opportunities when they arise. Tons of coaches do a much better job in their second job. Bruce Cassidy is a great example. He was a 500 coach with the Washington Capitals, but part of that was because Yaramir Yager basically sank his candidacy, right? So, I mean, everyone's saying, oh, well, Scott O'Neill shouldn't be on this list. I mean, Scott's a very smart hockey guy, Huss. But I mean, sorry, your original premise is, do I think it's important? I mean, it can be it can be a benefit, but it's all about the personal fit. It was a personal fit for Paul Maurice because he was from Sault Ste. Marie and he embraced the opportunity to be here. He had no connection to Winnipeg whatsoever. So it's all about the mentality. I mean, you don't want a guy that doesn't want to be here. I mean, would it make sense for Barry Trotz? Of course, it would make sense for Barry Trotz if he was from, you know, Saskatchewan or PEI, right? The guy's a good coach. Gerard Gallant would have made sense here because he's a good coach. So to me, there doesn't have to be a connection, but it can be a bonus. There's no doubt about that. All right. Well, listen, okay. Before we finish up uh, here a little earlier than normal this week. <laughs> Sorry about if, the rant there. If, a little no, I, listen, I am here for it. I am always here for it. Can <laughs> I like getting you going like that? Um, if Barry Trotz is off the list, say he's not going to coach or he goes somewhere else. Yeah. In your opinion, who would be the best choice for the Winnipeg Jets? Who Who is the guy that if you were putting together your list is at the top, maybe slightly, slightly, but over the rest of a number of very qualified candidates? Yeah, Huss, I mean, it's hard for me. It's literally one A, B, and C situation. I think, you know, Cassidy, whatever order you want to go in, Cassidy, Montgomery, 
uh, talking. I, I don't know what the list is. I think, you know, Rick has enjoyed his TNT work, but I think this is a guy that wants to be behind the bench. I mean, he was a great associate in Pittsburgh. He did a nice job on the bench in Tampa Bay. I think that if the right opportunity came, he'd be great. Jim Montgomery dealt with him during the 2019 playoff series between St. Louis and Dallas. Exceptionally funny individual, uh, very tactically strong. We know we know his record at the NCAA level. But, I mean, Bruce Cassidy also has done a great job at both the minors and the NHL. I mean, these guys are all, I would put them on equal footing in terms, it's tough to say one over the other. And I so, sorry, I should include Pete DeBoer in that. I mean, I talked with Pete briefly last week for my story on Nazem Kadri. Um, you know, we didn't get into the Jets thing with him because I was working on something else. But um, I think all those guys would be great candidates. And then, as I mentioned before, I mean, Scott O'Neill, if he's on the staff, that'll help the Jets have a better staff, whether that's as an associate or if he's in, under consideration as a head coach. I mean, that's a possibility as well. And we know Pascal Vincent is also a good candidate. Huh? So I'm sorry that I sat on the fence there. All five of those guys are really smart guys and really good candidates. And they're probably not the only guys that would be candidates, right? I mean, that's that's the other part of the equation. But this whole thing about don't go to a recycled coach, I mean, the coach has got to get their start somewhere. And, and a lot of times they're better in the second time around. So uh, Bruce Cassidy doesn't strike me as someone you would say you're taking him out of the recycling bin. This guy was right in the heart of it and took one of the best teams in the NHL to game seven this year. You know, I mean... It, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. And there, I mean, are there other young guys who deserve a chance? Absolutely. But um, I think they're this whole, sorry, the, what I'm trying to get at Huss is that some people got to the bury or bust situation. I mean, like I said, from the very beginning, you're not going to fold the franchise. If the jets can't get Barry trots, they're pushing hard to get them, but there are other high quality, high character candidates who could do a good job. I mean, do they have the same pedigree as Barry? I mean, probably not, but that doesn't mean they can't do a good job. Hey, uh, just before we go, who are you playing with at the Gray Owl? Uh, Darren Ritchie. Sorry, he is calling there. So sorry if that was sneaking through. Uh, sneaking well, you guys through. are planning your outfits for the tournament <laughs> or what? We're trying to get a game. Husk, you'll appreciate this. We're trying to get a game lined up at Oak Island tomorrow uh, oh, on the way down. Love that One of your course. favorite tracks. Exactly. You know what? That is just a hidden gem. It's far away from everything, so it's yeah. always sort of open. But uh, I, listen, I'm... All in on that stop out, uh, out west. Uh, listen, have a great time at the Gray Owl, and I will look forward to speaking with you next week. Uh, bring back some hardware. You, we, we'll let you go to the buffet about all your great shots. And listen, if you can possibly do the impossible again and hit two holes in one in the same round, you will be... Well, you're already eternally on that list. No one can take that away from you. But you know, you mix, you mix in even one ace... In and around that sort of a crowd and an event like that, we'll, um, you know, we might be erecting that statue that they were planning for Shifley. We're going to make it for you, Ken. Hustler, challenge accepted. Uh, also <laughs> looking to maybe hopefully play Gilbert Plains on Saturday. So it looks like a, a fantastic weekend all around, but man. Good to be with you. Uh, have a great week and uh, enjoy the Eastern Conference final as well. Appreciate it. There's Ken Weeb at sportsnet.ca at Weeb's World on Twitter. We are going to talk a little bit more golf. There's so much going on in the golf world. Uh, most importantly, the RBC Canadian Open this week. And of course, everything happening with the exodus of some big name PGA Tour stars to the Live Golf Tour. We'll do that in a second with Jeff Feinberg. All of our golf reports throughout the year brought to you by our friends at Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club. 
you're looking for an incredible home long-term for you and your family, for your golfing future, talk to Corey Johnson over about getting on the waiting list for next year. Been incredibly successful a few years coming out of the pandemic. New course improvements, clubhouse improvements, that beautiful 19th hole patio and more. Junior programs, women programs, they've got it all. BreezyBend.ca online, or as I said, give Corey a call and find out a little bit more. Hey, our friends at Nod Auto Corp are ready for the summer. If you're thinking about a new whip before you do anything, head on down to Waverly and McGilvery and check out the experts at Knot and what they've got on the lot. And if there's a particular make and model you're looking for, they'll help you source it out and get it for you at the best price. Why not get into the car of your dreams at an amazing price with the help of the Knot team, Waverly and McGilvery. And of course, you can check them out online at not.ca. Uh, hey, we got NBA Finals tonight. No hockey. Always a great night to pop by and set up shop at your local Boston Pizza. And don't forget about that great Appy Hour. They've got beer specials and appetizer specials from 3 to 6 every day, as well as 9 to 12. And hey, if you're staying at home and not heading out, check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. And hey, a shout out to Mike Ladarni and a little apology. Rio and I screwed up. I thought he was taking care of it. He thought I was. Good news. We got that cake for you from our friends at the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Nick and Nikki, of course, serving up those amazing blizzards, stack burgers, DQ novelties, and of course, those ice cream cakes at four locations, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And if you do need a cake to order in advance, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. We'll have it ready for you quick and easy to pick up at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. All right, let's welcome in our pal Jeff Feinberg because it is Canadian Open Week after two years canceled due to the pandemic and maybe one of the most interesting weeks covering golf we've had in a long time. Feinberg, how are you? How's the wheel? Uh, wheel is improving, Huss. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I actually drove for the first time today since uh, we'll call it the Super Bowl because I... Yeah, I took my spill the the day before the the Super Bowl, um, so that's a big step. But walking around a golf tournament, I'm not Arnold Palmer. Golf Canada is not going to give me a golf cart, Huss. Just you know, to like wave to the patrons. <laughs> and I'm not really one who just wants to sit in a spot all day either. Like I really do like to take it all in, be on the move. You know me with the bets. I like to follow. I'd like to get a look at as many guys as I could have. Um, so yeah, it's sad. Uh, happy for the open to be back. It's just, yeah, for me, I'm going to have to wait another year to take it in up close. Uh, um, what, what do we know? Well, what do you know about St. George's? Um, tell us a little bit about the course we're going to be seeing, uh, with a pretty awesome lineup, despite the, uh, dearly departed DJ who had to be ripped down from all of those banners all around your fine city. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, St. George is a classical, uh, Stanley Thompson design. One of the true legends of Canadian golf architecture it's only about 7,000 yards but it can play quite penal heavy bunkering around the green slopey greens a lot of uh raised greens like blind shots into raised um greens a traditional old-timey tree-lined golf course i think that it was about 2010 or 11 we were here last swedish meatball carl peterson won i think it was 14 under I always get the vibe that one or two of these guys are going to take it real low, especially at a place where you think it could be shot make to death. Hassa. I think we're going to flirt with 18, maybe closer to 20. 
under winning score this week, but uh, a truly beautiful classic Canadian golf course. Um, you know, listen, I want to obviously talk about the guys that won't be here and what's happening with Liv, but let's first get into the Canadian Open and we'll get to the Canadians in a second. Um, you know, despite no DJ, um, you've got the number one player in the world, Masters champion, Scotty Scheffler. Um, Justin Thomas is there. Rory McIlroy is there as well. Um, you know, there is some real star power at this tournament so far. I mean, uh, what do you make of the depth of the field, especially with the guys at the top of the leaderboard that we've got to swallow a bit of a bigger number than normal? Yeah, so from a betting perspective, you can make the case maybe not like the greatest field, not a ton of options because we have five of the top 10 in the world here, Hustler, and that's a great credit uh, to Golf Canada and NRBC the week before major. We're seeing some of these younger guys now. Back in the day, it seemed like they all followed the Tiger routine of like, I can't play the week before a major, but Tiger was just, we've learned and we've learned as time's gone on. He's just so much different than all of them, mentally, physically, and just so many levels that that his preparation would have been so different. This new generation likes to get hot before a major and stay hot for that major. Field is great, but it's created a bit of a missing lane in the betting board. Very top heavy, a lot of, you know, but but that 30 to 80 to one range, there's probably as few betting options as there are like at any week of the year in total. It's probably like 10 guys in the 30 to 80 to one range, which is pretty strange. And that's the range a lot of golf bettors sort of like to build and make a card out of. Uh, as far as the guys at the front, I mean, does one guy between Scheffler, McElroy, and Thomas stand out to you? And I guess we can include Cam Smith. I mean, he's certainly contending week in and week out. And Sam Burns has had multiple wins already on tour. I really do focus in on those top three, though. I mean, of that group, and you have to put a nickel on one of them, who are you, who are you leaning on? I guess I would finally be ready for the damned burst for, for Rory, although you can make a case for all of them. Scheffler loses in a playoff a couple weeks ago with what we looked like was his C game. You know, Thomas just continues this fabulous play, um, as does Rory McIlroy. If I did have to make a move, it would be on that probably 10-1 to 1 at Rory. Here's the thing. The week before a major, Huss, and it's not like I'm going to give you a bunch of bombs as my picks because I did not do that. But the week before a major, I mean, we had uh, K.H. Lee pull his back-to-back this year, would have cleared 100-1. to 1. J.J. Spawn would have cleared 100-1 to 1 the week before the Masters. Last year, I, I recall it was all 100 to 1 winners. Garrick Higo in this spot in his like second ever PGA Tour spot um, pulls off a win at the Palmetto, replacing the Canadian Open. So the week before majors, always a bit of a, a, a potentially an interesting spot, but there's just too many great players here. It's hard to see it getting away from it, from the group of them. Um, uh, who do you think the top Canadian will be and how many Canadians? I'm just looking at a number right now on Coolbet. I mean, obviously there's tons of Canadians in the event because it is. And shout out to our guy, Aaron Cockrell, who's making his PGA tour debut after playing on the European tour. I mean, he's a 300 to one. Um, but I mean, it looks like that number is five and a half to make the cut. Uh, what do you think about that? And, um, who do you think the top Canadian will be? Do you think any of the guys representing the country could be in the mix on Sunday? Okay, so I haven't really heard that total to make the cut. I guess blindly I would lean to the uh, uh, over. There's just a ton of them in the field. If this golf tournament on this golf course, Huss, was played anywhere else in the world, I think I'd bet Corey Connors at 25 to 1. I think I'd bet Adam Hadwin at 25 to 1. And I'm going to preface what I'm going to say is that it could be old takes exposed by Sunday night. And I do agree that Golf Canada is in a better place than it's ever been. So to sort of compare Golf Canada even to anything pre-pandemic might be unfair. 
But your listeners, you, Remus, we all know this. We don't do these guys any favors this week. We do not. David Hearn was in the final group a couple of years ago. We treated it like it was the freaking Masters. You know, some guys out there are just trying to win the RBC Open. Feels like the Canadians, we put this pressure on them that that it's weird because you see like the Spanish Open, and you see like a flock of Spaniards competing or the Irish Open. There's always Shane Lowry and the guys fighting for it. Canada, I don't know. We seem to lack an ability to bring this thing home. I'd love to be dead wrong. I'm on a bit more of a fade of Canadians this week in the outright market. I've bet one Nick Taylor, big bomb, 150 to one. That is the Canadian that has my attention, but it is those long shots, Taylor Svensson, that I'd probably rather bet than the big three of Connors, Hadwin, or Hughes. Well, it all gets going tomorrow at St. George's, the RBC Canadian Open for the first time in three years. Should be a phenomenal event with some of the top players in the world. Of course, there are a few guys that aren't going to be here. Uh, first of all, let's start with DJ because he was the first guy that stood up and said, yeah, I know I said three weeks or three months ago, I'm committed to the PGA Tour. That has changed. Um, you've always been a big fan of DJ. I mean, uh, well, I, how surprised were you that, first of all, that he decided to go? Um, and what has that done for some of the other top players that we said probably didn't want to be first, but don't want to miss the bag? Yeah, you don't want to be last either because the fields aren't so big and and it seems like if they get too many guys, they can really have leverage to start saying no to some. Not totally shocked DJ took the bag. He's always been kind of a guy that, you know, he was great at golf. Um, but I don't know. He always got the sense that it was always just like a side hustle for him. And you can make the case how the PGA Tour might miss his wife more than they miss him. And I love Dustin Johnson. <laughs> I love Dustin Johnson, but I'm not surprised one bit. He took the bag. He's exempt with these majors, so he's got some leverage to think that some of these other guys don't. I fully expect the majors don't want any of the legal smoke, especially a lawsuit that appears the the, the live backers have told the players they will fund the lawsuit. So it's not like DJ would have to use his own lawyers if these majors decided to get some teeth. The Saudis are going to pay for the lawsuit, and I think they would win anything. You can't prevent uh, guys who have qualified for the majors uh, away. Uh, you can't exclude them at this point. You only you got to be Angel Cabrera in jail to not be allowed at the Masters, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Pretty much. But, I mean, that really applies to a very small group of players on this tour. I mean, it's essentially it's Dustin Johnson. Um Certainly Bryson doesn't have like the, you know, the, the, when he hasn't won a green jacket, he doesn't have that lifetime membership. He is a major champion. Um, and Patrick Reed, he does have a green jacket. So he'd be in that, in that case too. And Augusta seems like, I mean, they can do whatever the hell they want and they will do whatever the hell they want. Um, but they also want to have the best tournament as possible and maybe not want to get in the middle of it. Um, but we saw her the U.S. Open today say, oh, you know, everyone's going to be welcome this year. Everything was non-committal going forward. Once this tour starts happening, they have events in the United States. That's going to be fascinating as well. Do you think it will come to that? I mean, will one or some of the majors try to block these guys from coming? And for guys that don't have already automatic qualifications, if they're not playing on the PGA Tour and they're playing on this Live Tour, are they getting official World Golf ranking points? I mean, will that help them try to get into these? Or if you're not DJ or Patrick Reed, are you going knowing, I'm going to be rich, I'm going to get paid, I won't golf as much, but I'm probably not having the same opportunities for the majors in the future? 
Yeah, so I guess Kevin Knopp might have spoken about this more than any other player, and he's hopeful that at some point world ranking points would have to come there. If Bryce, like, there's an event in Portland in a couple weeks, or, or it's their next event, and this drip we saw today with Reed and Bryce, and I think the drip, drip, drip is going to keep coming, Huss. At some point, if names of that even mid-tier status are playing, like, world ranking points at some point you think have to, be acknowledged although the world ranking and say if you're playing 54 holes i'm not acknowledging you kevin and i even made it seem like he would go play some asian tour events and maybe beat up on those fields to like get some world ranking points to sort of keep that number above water which could keep him in the majors it's such a fascinating conversation and as much as like i'm curious what might happen this weekend to see you know what sort of television or broadcast it's all on the youtube but like the little things about it and you know it's not gonna go great we're pretty confident in that i'm not even interested in that huss it's just this we're so invested in the pga tour and i'm not even talking about the betting or the dfs aspect that's grown so much in the past couple years our whole lives we've invested so much time and energy into following this league as the league as the institution so my peak interest i am just in this in the the discourse of of the present and the future is so fascinating to me i cannot deny that well and of course i mean there's all the political implications i mean if this was not funded by a regime that has a horrible human rights record and you know we can go down that list i mean it's probably you know a lot less of a hot topic although they probably don't have the billions of dollars to be basically float out to do this um and that part of it, I'm not sure if you saw the press conference today with Ian Poulter and uh, and Lee Westwood. I, the one thing I'll say this, GMAC yesterday as well, like these guys seem woefully ill-prepared for the questions about their association with the Saudis that you know are coming. That is 100% true, Hustler, and not to skip a beat, but next week is going to be madness at Brookline. It's a U.S. Open. I'll tell you right now, part of me is more excited for Monday through Wednesday than I am for the, the press weekend. conferences. <laughs> it's going to be crazy and it's going to be overtaken because we're well past the point. I think where it's just going to be sport media and golf media. I think it's going to be the. It's unfortunate to say, but like the op, like the complete, you know, polarization of like political media, especially in the States, like those opposite end spectrums are going to come there and. You know they're going to make Rory answer a question about Nike as he's sort of giving his opinion on Saudi. And I'm not doubting that the layers of hypocrisy that exist in, in society and the whole geopolitical thing is a, such a well that we could go down. But it's just really how this affects the present and the future of golf, how this will affect the pipeline of young guys deciding, do I even want to go to the PGA Tour? What if you're just the top, what if the top college prospect, NCAA ranked kid says, I'm going to go play live for two years instead of doing that corn fairy thing. And then I'll show up when I'm 24, or 25 to the PGA tour. And he might be so good. It'll be like, if they make me Q school, if they make me Monday qualify, like I'm just taking the bag and then I'll go make Ryder cups. Like if it, if it comes up. There's just my head is spinning with how many ways the conversation can go, hey, let alone you, the players that can be leaving. You're 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 very much right about next week at Brookline. That will be a massive story for the days leading up. 
What about when this tour comes to the United States? And if I'm not mistaken, the first event is in Portland. I mean, I think back, like the Pacific Northwest is probably, if you are cutting up like political areas, probably the most left-leaning area in the entire United States. Is the Antifa crew going to be protesting outside the country club for the live event going on? I mean, do you anticipate anything happening like that? Or is this will be more a discourse between people on social media and obviously amongst regular media channels? I honestly have no idea. I totally agree with your point. Portland, like the irony in, in it being in Portland is, <laughs> I is couldn't kind believe of it. <laughs> strange. I think we're going to see like more players, you know, sort of waiting to see and probably entering for that Portland event. Our guys, like our live guys, gonna like walk the property next week and live t-shirts in their like team hats. Like, you know, high is, flyers. Is Phil gonna do his high oppressor <laughs> in a high flyers hat. Like, what what are they gonna? I am just so that Phil Mickelson, if he even has to do a press conference, it's gonna be it's gonna be insanity and maybe almost to the point of un, unfair and 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 the Boston crowd, like people are expecting this Boston crowd to go at these guys. You know, Poulter and Sergio, they always get it bad at majors on the Northeast. But, you know, to see like the crowd, like going after Phil or, or D, it's just weird. I don't know, man. Like there's so many unknowns. I'm so fired up to think a year ago we were just excited about like the Bryson Brooks rivalry and how that could affect the circus that is the U.S. Open. That's got nothing on what we're coming up for Huss. It's got nothing. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Phil for a minute because we hadn't heard a peep from him for a number of months. He put out his press release earlier this week on his Twitter account and I'm sure through his representatives. And then we saw him for the first time at the big live red carpet event. And for a guy that said he'd been taking all of his time to get therapy and focus on his family, he looked like a guy that had just been on a three-month bender, to be perfectly frank. You know the guy that, you know, is so crushed from a night in Vegas that he doesn't make it out of his hotel room till about 5.30 the next day and sort of gets it together and sort of kind of just easing into it. That was Phil Mickelson yesterday. Um, I, I mean, where where is Phil right now as a golfer, as a person, and what's going on behind the scenes? Because, man, there's been a lot coming out from this book, all tied to his being basically the lead individual in golf going to this tour. Yeah, so there's just so much to unpack there. He certainly looked incredibly disheveled, did not look refreshed for a guy. You know, he, he just looked like that bug-eyed <laughs> facial hair. You think that's – you think you wouldn't be clean-shaven for someone who just gave you $200 million? Like, you think you would shave for that? Anyhow. It's his NWO look. Yeah, it's weird that at his press conference today, Huss, uh, you know, he didn't really want to acknowledge where maybe there might have been some discipline on the PGA Tour, created a bit of an awkward moment. He finds himself, see, Taylor Gooch gets to play the I'm stupid. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm stupid, I'm just a golfer, which is kind of, you expect like these guys who live their life in the dirt to get into your geopolitical issues when governments DJ are can lean our... on that one too. Yeah, and DJ can too. But Phil, you have always prided yourself on being the smartest guy in the room. And we all know a guy who thinks he's the smartest guy in the room because he tells you. When we all know the actual smartest guy in the room doesn't tell anybody, people just know it is. But when you frame yourself as that forever, there then is an expectation that you can properly... You'll have a proper answer. 
that you have researched the the regime and sort of where this money's come from because you are the smartest man in the room. So there's that juxtaposition now with, you know, how he wants to play it to how he's always played it, Huss. Jeff Feinberg with us, getting ready for the Canadian Open and the Live Golf Tour. What? Why Bryson and Patrick Reed? I mean, I sort of joked, A, because they're your guys and you've always backed them when just about everyone else can't stand them. Is there something to it, the fact that they're, you know, not liked as much as many of the other players and saying that they were more likely to go do that? Or is it all just simply can't turn away like so many others have done from the ridiculous amounts of money that are being thrown at them? So that's the weird thing where we're still at this phase, Huss. Nope. Take Ricky Fowler aside and his career arc has put him in this spot. And it's unfortunate because I would argue no player owes the PGA tour more than Ricky Fowler for what they did for Ricky Fowler, the pedestal they put him on probably when he didn't earn it. At least you can make the case DJ and Phil earned more earned it to a certain extent, but you look, it's not, it's Reed, it's Bryson, it's Phil. They're all, I don't want to say hated, but they're all like Nas made, you know, perpetually made fun of on the internet, the slow play. Bryson, that's a whole can of worms. You know, certainly there's not a bag of love for him. Reed is is the bad guy. Phil has always sort of been this guy that disruptor, trailblazer, smartest guy in the whatever, man that wears all the hats. Dustin always a bit of aloof and, you know, even rumors about some things that, he shady behavior he's been out to i am waiting for like a beloved to drop and i don't mean like like uh, morikawa Hovle, like i'm not saying they're going but someone who is like beloved and maybe that's a bad example those are young guys but you sort of know what i mean like a player who is truly i don't know at this moment in time beloved by by the american golf fan jordan speed that would be, <laughs> you know, that would be crazy. And Adam Scott, he was asked who he thinks going to go by his, like, burner slash, we all know it's a burner fun Twitter account. He says Brooks and, and Billy Horschel. And then not to, like, play this card, but the irony of Billy Horschel going to work for the Saudis, well, like, you know, and then that whole Ralph Lauren thing, well, they had to get rid of Justin Thomas for doing, saying the work, a horror a horrific word that deserved a penalty on the green but like there's just there's just so many like spinning balls at the moment and brooks he doesn't even like to practice you don't think he's going for 14 events a year so he could just be miami brooks and play in majors <laughs> like i don't know man the drip 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 drips gonna get the, the sink's gonna fill up pretty soon huss a lot of drips um, as far as the event goes, um, I have no idea how they came up with these team names. Um, they should have done the draft uh, publicly. I think that, that was a big missed opportunity. Like, do they know what they're doing? Okay, that's a fair question because there's a billion that's been thrown at the wall. But these look like JPEG high school project assignment like logos. Like you think there'd be money to go get those people that do like the, that stuff for professionally. Like if... Uh, NBA team wanted to update a logo. You literally hired these very fancy graphic design firms. Like the money is so deep that when you see things like that, you're so confused. Like you have these endless bags of money, but then you put out these logos that look like high school 
class projects where you're learning graphic design. <laughs> so like, that's another juxtaposition. That's so weird. There's so many wormholes here, hustler, and it's not ending. They're only the questions. There's more questions than answered uh, answers a lot more. And, and it's intriguing. Last question. Does Kevin Na, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Reed ever tee it up in a PGA Tour event again after this weekend? No. Wow. Majors, yes, but <laughs> PGA Tour, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say no. Oh, here, here are the logos for folks that are watching with us on uh, on YouTube. The Crushers GC, the fi the Fireballs. I think that's Sergio's team. The like <laughs> High Flyers, yeah. Ironheads, Torque GC. And by the way, if you've read the descriptions as to how they came up with these names, it almost feels like, oh, geez, I guess we got to do this. And they did it like literally the day before. Yeah. And then this, I mean, the team aspect's a whole other thing. I'm not really buying that, but whatever we'll we'll see we'll see where it goes Huss. it's press conferences next week they're gonna be they're gonna be wild oh uh, it's gonna be and then listen this whole weekend we'll see what's happening over in london of course we'll be following the action at st george's for the canadian open uh you got any more content coming up over the week you guys gonna be doing a cut show or anything fun like that when uh with it being back on home soil uh no 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 doesn't seem like it we'll just be full full go for us open next week we'll have that cut sweat I'll leave you by saying uh, I'm on Fitzpatrick, Hatton, and Finau this week, Huss, to bring it home. I had a read, it. but that one got uh, withdrawn. So, <laughs> Dude, thanks so much for the time. Let's do this next week for the Open. Maybe after some of the press conferences, because that might be, as you mentioned, more interesting than making our picks for uh, for the big event. I It will be. It will be. <laughs> Have a good one, dude. Thanks so much. Feel better. Later. Uh, there it is. Jeff Feinberg with us. Give him a follow on Twitter, at G. Feinberg 17. Hey folks, uh, we can pretty much tell you right now, and I know I mentioned this, but we are going to be getting together with our friends over at Little Brown Jug for a live show on June 24th down at Little Brown Jug in the tap room. Cannot wait to do that. Uh, make a point of, uh, well, if you can, maybe book ahead. If you've got some flexibility with the schedule, pop down and join us. Hopefully it'll be a great day outside. We'll be doing the show at Little Brown Jug on William Avenue on Friday, June 24th. And, of course, we'll be uh, letting the good times roll there. And you can let the good times roll with Little Brown Jug's Good Times Variety Pack for the summer, which includes their Hefeweizen, Saison, Black Lager, and Belgian IPA. And you're going to probably want a rack of the 1919s as well. You can find them at Liquor Mart's Beer Vendors or online at littlebrownjug.ca and keep your eye out for the Folkfest lager, which has hit shelves at Liquor Marts and Beer Vendors in Manitoba. A crisp, accessible, quaffable lager that recalls the open prairies, pairs perfectly with live music and sunshine, and everyone will be uh, tossing a few of those back at Folkfest coming up in a few weeks. Uh, as I mentioned, great night at Assiniboia Downs last night. Finished it off with a... Canadian Club and Ginger Ale. And hey, for the entire, for the next little while, if you pop into your Manitoba Liquor Marts and grab a six, or excuse me, the Canadians Beer Stores and grab a six pack of CC and Ginger, 
you get a free Slim Can koozie and an opportunity to win a Winnipeg Blue Bombers autographed jersey. So uh, that's available now at your Canadian beer stores and, of course, CC and Ginger and Canadian Club available at your favorite Manitoba Liquor Mart as well. We do have some cool bet lines to get to, but let's get Michael Remus back in here as we uh, get to that. Great conversation with Feinberg, and he and I probably could have gone on for another hour talking about this. It truly is one of the more fascinating stories in recent sports history with the PGA Tour being challenged by a regime that obviously has some terrible political baggage but speaking of baggage, the bags of money are so large that many of the best in the world can't resist going there. And how this thing goes forward this weekend, next weekend for this year and the future effects about the PJ Tour and the European Tour. Um, well, we'll wait to see what happens. But this entire golf world being rocked, and I guess in some ways it's good for the players. Uh, but holy smokes, you get a lot of the politics into sports, which it's usually more fun to leave out. Yes, uh, I would agree, but I don't think that's something that is possible uh, in recent days. So it is fascinating how the PGA Tour is being challenged, and maybe some things are right, but I think we can agree about the uh, you know political issues and who you're getting the getting the money from there. So I'm curious if it's going to work, if people are going to care. I mean, our uh, BA split in chats right now, our Live Golf guy is going to be getting booed at the U.S. Open next week. I Feinberg brought that up. I mean, that it mm -hmm. honestly, and I hadn't spent too much time thinking about that, but the fact that it's starting this week and then is the US Open and some of these players will be in it. Um, that it's almost unprecedented. And golf is one of those sports. Sometimes at the US Open, the fans get pretty wild. Certainly the Phoenix event. Um, but golf is still the stuffiest sport around with traditions and customs and all those things that are more or less observed just about always. Um, I'm sort of with Jeff. I'm not sure that that'll be the case next week. I think it'll be very challenging for the players, but nothing like the challenge of those press conferences that they're going to have to do. And if anyone's been paying attention to the players in London, I mean, today I referenced this, Lee Westwood and Ian Poulter were asked, is there anywhere that they would not play um, based on moral grounds? And they didn't want to answer the question. They asked if Vladimir Putin started a Russian tour and sent the money, would they play? They didn't want to say that. They referred to if there was a, um, you know, it's apartheid South Africa, will they go? I mean, these are tough questions. I was amazed at the lack of preparation by these guys to be able to handle those questions that they knew were going. And certainly maybe no better example of that than GMAC, a guy that I love, Graham McDowell, who yesterday essentially, I think, trying to be honest and forefront to basically just describe what sports washing is. So I understand why guys are doing it. It's pretty hard to turn away that from that sort of life-changing money. Um, but that's just what made a guy like Dustin Johnson movie over that much stranger, I guess, because he's already had life-changing money. He's part of the Gretzky family. I mean, it's probably not that urgent for him, but... 125 mil is 125 mil, I guess, to some people. It is good, though, for the tour that the Rory McIlroy's, the JT's, and whatnot, still on board. And it's funny that, you know, like we just talked with Feinberg, Reed, DeChambeau, Brooks, or DJ, and Phil, very controversial figures, are the guys that have gone and the ones that, you know, have great sponsorship deals continuing here, um, you know, still part of the PGA Tour at the front, in the front of the line. Yeah, running man, uh, frequent chatter, didn't even recognize Phil in that 
picture and I see everyone's calling him NWO Phil or <laughs> Live Phil. The Phil we knew before, he's gone. It's now, he's a different guy now. Look the, the NWO comparisons <clears throat> are so amazing because they're legit for one thing. I mean, anyone that remembers wrestling and how they sort of grow up, took some of the biggest guys and then became bigger than the WWE for a while. Eric Bischoff was at the center of that. He always wore the black le leather. NWO yep. was the black and white. Phil dressed in all black with Greg Norman at the opening red carpet event. There was a picture of the two of them together. And I saw a couple tweets saying, it's amazing how both of these guys kind of look like Eric Bischoff in this photo. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I do remember them wearing the leather jackets. So yeah, I see people call him Hollywood, uh, <laughs> Hulk, Phil. So a lot of uh, a lot of compare. We'll see how that goes. If people will actually tune in, I did I like Feinberg. Yeah, I was gonna say I liked his line about the logos being <laughs> what designed like in Paint, Microsoft Paint. <laughs> the name uh, Phil Phil's the captain of the High Flyers. Yeah, Sergio is the the Fireballs. There's the Crushers and a bunch of. As I said, I'm not sure they spent as much time on this team format and then realized that oh geez, I guess we got to roll this out now that we've signed these guys to come and play on the live tour. Anyways, next couple of days we'll be focusing on what's happening here in our country. That of course is the RBC Canadian Open, and that's sort of a nice little segue into our cool bet lines. We'll get to the NBA in a minute and the National Hockey League, but we have seen a little bit of line movement when we were putting together the picks for the lock shop earlier this week. I. Listen, Scotty Scheffler's been very good to me. He's still playing at an incredible level. I jumped on him as the favorite at 10 to 1. Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas were 11 to 1, but I think we're seeing sort of the top heavy nature of the field. All those numbers have dropped. Uh, Scheffler 9 to 1 now. Rory and JT at 10 to 1. Cam Smith at 13 to 1 from 14. Sam Burns at 17. And Matty Fitzpatrick, when I picked him, I'm glad Feinberg's on him too. That would be nice. Uh, he was at 20. He's now 19 to 1. Corey Connors is at 22 to 1. Adam Hadwin was at 50. He's now at 40 to 1. Um, so it'll be interesting. I do think that maybe one of those names we just mentioned, though, is in the winner's circle. Uh, all sorts of great prop bets for this. They've got groups, they've got head to heads, number of Canadians to make the cut. You can check that out all over at coolbet.com. As far as the National Hockey League, series is tied now. Tampa. The favorite to win the series at minus 161. The New York Rangers at plus 135. And the Lightning, a slight road favorite. A very similar line that we saw in games number one and two, Reem, uh, where the Rangers were able to win as home dogs. They're a home dog again, plus 108. Lightning minus 127. And in a lot of ways, I think tomorrow night's game sort of is the series. We know how impactful that game number five is in a series that's tied at 2-2 in a best of seven. Uh I would say it is the series if Tampa wins. If the Rangers win, uh, we, the Lightning will have a chance at home. So I don't mind Rangers as a home dog if they're flip-flopping. Actually, I probably wouldn't bet it now. You'd probably have to wait and see about Strom and um, Hedl, what their deal is. That's going to be big for, for the Rangers. So maybe I would hold off. Or if you think they're going to miss, maybe just bet the Lightning and because the, the line will, will move. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll say this. I'll mm -hmm. say this. Uh, I would tell you all that we'll talk about it and give you an update tomorrow, but I can pretty much guarantee no one's going to say a damn thing until they're out for warm-up and then literally dropping the puck at the beginning of the game. So just know those guys are questionable that, going Yeah, the NHL likes to screw you if you're betting. Man, I, I've been doing like 
or I'd play DraftKings in regular season and some coaches like Anaheim, they don't announce the goalie. I think LA would do this too. And I'd be like, okay, who's first out on warm up? I'm like <laughs> fiending for warm up tweets 30 minutes before puck drop. So yeah, you're, you are right. It's not like if they are playing, you're going to find out. They could play some trickery where they go up for warm up and then don't, don't play you. That is a good point. They got to make rules on that. If they're going to have a million gambling commercials during the playoffs, like let us know who's playing in the games, right? Hey, you know what? That's that is the most legitimate take around. Hey, you want to get in bed with all these companies and yeah. have us betting on the games? At least let us know who the hell is playing. So I was, that's we did simple. have we did have a good conversation off air before the show. Um, I see a lot of people mad online about the amount of gambling commercials, and you and I have talked about this before, but the number of gambling commercials during the playoffs, and I said. Yeah, I mean, my concern is zero. I don't really care. They can show commercials. But you actually had a great take to me. Well, you're, no one's here saying, let's see more Sobeys commercials, right? Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, like, uh, you know, I find, like, when Cabby does his bit with our guy Andy McNeil, they're talking about the updated lines. Andy's giving us a little bit of information that might help you make a bet. It's all paid programming, folks. I would rather watch that than another stupid bank commercial or... <laughs> The Sobeys guy running through the frozen aisle. or I mean, for crying out loud, remember when people were so pissed off about Gord Miller and Cassie Campbell showing up 18 times a jet game with that Sobeys score and win commercial? Like, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of it. I get it. Um, but it's sort of a new medium, and it's been a huge source of revenue for a company that has been bleeding money ever since they paid $5.2 billion, billion that with a B, uh, dollars for the Canadian NHL rights. I don't think they've ever made money on the pro on the package yet. And again, who cares really? But I'm sorry, if you're getting the stuff over free television, advertising is going to be a part of it. And if it's up to me, I'd much rather see what some of the other books are doing and some promotions or talk about the games, at least in some way in advertising, as opposed to, you know, Tim Horton, Sobeys, Banks, or whatever that's normally in the games. I mean, as I said, people just like to be mad online, and this is the new trigger point for people. I, I think no I think you're right. No matter what the commercials are, people are mad at them. Uh, what we've been we were still talking about what farmers only and. The sticky from the okay. Jets TSN the days. The first year, the first year of Winnipeg Jets hockey, it was Jets on TSN, and you had to get that package. They didn't have any time to sell it, and I think they basically went to one of those companies that just has all of these infomercials, and they say, "Yeah, we'll buy Zoomies. these amount of spots." You put it all. Let's get the highlights. There was the sticky. Mm -hmm. Zoomies was Zoomies. a was a big one. Vince Offer had a couple one after the sticky. Oh, the slap chop. Wait, the sticky. Yeah, yeah, he had all those slap chop. I almost but the slap one of chop those. got a big run. The sticky was was big. Zoomies was huge. Oh, the bacon wave. Oh yeah, bacon. Yeah, bacon. I like bacon wave. I like that commercial. <laughs> Never tried it, but uh, yeah. So P, I think if no we're missing one in the chat, if we're missing one in the chat, let us know your favorite. Your favorite. Yeah infomercials from jets on tsn from the first season yes so <laughs> and people writing them in Maybe chat uh, so yeah i think people are gonna get get upset at commercials no matter what as we said farmers I mean, only was real 
I'm not sure. Let's see. Is Farmers Early still on? Let's just put it in here. Let's see. Maybe I'll open I'm, an account. They haven't converted to an app where you can just swipe? Uh, well, that's a good move. Swipe right on. Oh, FarmersOnly.com. Their, their tagline, city folks just don't get it. And uh, single in the country, you put it in. and Oh, my God. A beautiful picture of two people that are coming together in love, standing in a field in the middle of nowhere farmersonly.com very intrigued can you would this be sort of like catfishing if you went in legitimately said that you were self on farmers only except you lived in the city and weren't actually a farmer or a country guy i don't think they get kicked off the platform i don't think they'd let me in i, I think that's allowed. actually why you have to put your zip code or postal code in to make sure that you're <laughs> not a city slicker so it's the first thing email address and then zip or postal code that's oh. that's the second question on farmers i'll have only. to google i'll have to google a fake one they must have it have it uh, marked down i just wanted to bring bring that up uh, it seems to be coming up on my timeline every day i don't have any i i gotta say i'm thankful there's no assiniboy downside because my i need a break my picks are very ice cold you lost uh, yeah i lost well. i lost i had a nice win actually at the track there i had a um i had a quinella i bet a four dollars on a quinella that came in on a two dollar bet at 1350 so actually 127 but then lost it on a couple of other races we just had a great time though and uh we're working on a little contest as well with our friends at assiniboia downs that will launch in the next couple of weeks where we'll pick a race every day when we're doing our picks give you the opportunity to make your selection you can email it into our friends at assiniboia downs and we'll be picking one winner a day to come out on a night probably end of the month early in july where myself remus our winners We'll hang out. We'll have an incredible feed at the world-famous Assiniboia Downs Buffet, including that prime rib. My God, it was good last night. And um, have some fun uh, picking some winners and uh, hanging out. So um, keep an eye on that. Make sure you join us on YouTube. We'll actually open up for podcast listeners as well because it'll basically be done by email. You'll just have to get it in by a certain time. By the way, cool bet lines tonight. Oh, I should mention NBA tonight. Um, Celtics, three-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Warriors. That series is 1-1. Boston now has home court on account of their win in Golden State. Celtics, um, Golden State Warriors actually a very slight favorite, minus 111 for the series, and the Celtics, minus 105. Man, Golden State was shooting well, Reem, and they played great defense in game number two. A major improvement from that collapse in game number one. Looking forward to this game tonight with no hockey. I'll be watching that because, of course, the Blue Jays are in action this afternoon against the pathetic, my pathetic, Kansas City Royals. Although the Royals up now 6-3 in the bottom of the fifth. Maybe we'll check out some of that game after we finish it up. Uh, should be a good show tomorrow. Brandon Rewicki is going to join the program. We'll have more Bomber talk with Darren Bombing. Probably get into some of the Canadian Open first round coverage as well. And then on Friday, Murata Tesh will join the program and we'll tee up bomber season with AJ Jakobek, voice of the Ottawa Red Blacks, and hoping to have our guy Eddie Tate join us as well. What's up tonight, Reem? You're back at the zoo. You're running around a soccer field. What's uh, what's going no, on? What's on the, the agenda? Zoo? The zoo closes at five. I don't know who owns it, but I wish they had um later hours. I'll just say I'll just say that. But um Working on some administrative stuff for this. I'm always putting working on new vi YouTube videos. Check out uh, Kyle Connors' interview from yesterday. That's on our channel. 
Uh, no hockey tonight, though. That is true. I can catch up on some shows, maybe finally start second half of Ozark. As you said, NBA. Uh, what else? I got about a bunch of shows in the queue, but I'll mostly doing this. I don't take any, any time off, Hustler. You know what I'm going to do? What? I'm opening up a Farmers Only account right now, and I'm there just going to be checking my inbox all night. Sit at the bar going, anyone in? Anyone in? You know, you By the know way, if you've, got a, if you've got a rural postal code someone can float me, let me know because I might get banned on the Farmers Only platform. Um, uh, I'll tell you, actually, I got to start reading up on CFL season previews. Uh, drafting season starts. I'm very pumped. I love doing CFL fantasy. I've learned so much about the league. Uh, from playing hey, throw that link so in the years. chat before we're done. I was actually just looking at that. So the great thing is before we had a tough time, if those contests were bigger than 20, we couldn't make them bigger because if they didn't fill, they didn't happen. They finally changed that after, I don't know, God knows how many emails we sent yeah. to them. Uh, but we've made it a max of 75 players. We are now over 40. So we've got 41 right now. It will resize. But if you haven't gotten in, jump in it. It's $3. Pick whoever you want. Salary cap game. Very, very fun. And uh, I think the one thing we've had the most fun consistently with, because we're such a good CFL market, has been these CFL contests. So everybody invited. Real fun way to kind of get a little bit more action over the course of the weekend for three bucks. And uh, what is it? Top five paid ream? I actually did top. I did. Well, I did 75 people top 10 wins. So if we get to, I don't think we'll get to 75. I think we can get to 50. We're at 44 right now. So. Anymore is a bonus. So 20%, if we get to 50, we'll, we'll win. See how it goes. And, of course, tomorrow night is also CFL kickoff. Calgary mm. and Montreal on TSN. And then our uh, boy Dustin Nielsen, who will be coming back. By the way, I have to tell you this quickly on the way out. We have talked about the whistle dog at times and the fact that it is no longer available at A&W restaurants. Dusty and Eric have been leading the charge to bring back the whistle dog, especially Eric day in and day out for well over a year. Um, Eric also tweets every day at a to bring back the whistle dog. Well, today, in an unbelievable moment, the a guy from the ads barged into the studio with two trays and a whistle dogs for the guys. It was in an a packaging. I think they described it as having a Blue Jays thing on it. So I'm not here to tell you it is confirmed that the whistle dog is back, but all indications from what happened this morning on the Nielsen show in Edmonton, we could be preparing for the return of the whistle dog, and that would be one of the best, best pieces of news in the fast food game we've had in a long time. a does a lot of things right. Burger's great, onion rings, but man... I was a huge whistle dog guy and definitely, definitely have missed it since it disappeared from the menu. I was really saddened when it went away. I didn't understand. At least, you know, if you're going to do that, bring it back limited time only like Wendy's does with the bacon mushroom melt. So if it's back, I mean, I'll, I'll go get one for sure. I'm in. Yeah, and the Wendy's people, I mean, if you're listening, wake the hell yeah, up. That thing should be on the menu 12 months a year. Why it's not... Um, is a big L for everybody I've, involved. I've tweeted Wendy's not every day, but every year they're like, Oh, bacon. I mean, just like make it a permanent menu item. What are you doing? It's better than the baconator. And they never respond. Cause they know I'm, I'm right. No, no doubt. Oleg's with me. Hot dog. So delicious. Oleg agrees. Yeah, oh. Maybe uh, where's the best hot dog in town. That's another one for us. VJ's. I actually dairy whip might be my favorite. Um, 
But we could have, we'll have a hot dog conversation at some point during the uh, summer when there's uh, not as much going on. Tomorrow, still counting down to the CFL season, bombing on the Bombers. We'll have Brandon Rewicki talking uh, Jets, NHL, probably talk a little golf with Brandon as well, and much, much more. Thanks again to all the sponsors for uh, their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks to you for making us a part of your day. Again, if you're on YouTube, make sure you hit that red subscribe button. And for you podcast listeners, if you have the opportunity to go on Apple or Spotify, give us a five-star rating and a little blurb or review. Always appreciate that as well. Thanks to Jeff Feinberg. Thanks to the well-hydrated Ken Weeb. And of course, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on CJOB, Derek Taylor, for joining us today. Folks, have a great night. Enjoy the weather. Get outside. Beautiful sunshine. We'll see you tomorrow, 1 p.m. right here on WST. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.